And we are live. In three, two, one. Cheers. There it is. Cheers. Hey, yo. First sip, what do you think? Oh, this is strong. I can tell. <laughs> this tastes like a high lie, but a little stronger and not as um, hoppy. Hoppy. Exactly. It should be less not hoppy. as hoppy. Not it's as a Belgian hoppy. triple, my friend. So hopefully this should be sounding a little nicer on everyone's ears. We've upgraded the audio equipment. So we are still live in the, uh, in the gym. We just trained. We got a nice sweat. We got our beers. And we are joined by someone that Chris knows a lot longer than myself, uh, Mr. Ryan. Welcome, Ryan. Ready, bravo. How you doing, everybody? It's, uh, it's, it's Ryan Lamartman. <laughs> La, well, that's too obvious. Uh, Chris is, is chiding me a bit because I changed my name when I got married. So it was Martman and it is now LaFrance. So. Welcome. He's a, he's a black belt. Mm. For almost two, well, is it, is it two years now? It was uh, Two and a half, actually. It was a month after I got my brown belt. Was, so. I think it was January 7, 2017, so yeah, almost three years. There we go. So who started training first between the two of you guys? Uh, I was April 2007. I think I was August 2006, now that I think back. Because I'm trying to do the math, right? I graduated college in, oh, no, my God. I think I'm October 05. So I'm, I am just about, yeah, yeah. So I'm a little bit further. Wow. Okay. So he was like, what, a, a two-stripe white belt or a blue belt by the time? I, I think it was actually like a, because I, I, I started at a different gym that begins with a G and oh. ends with a racy <laughs> um, uh, So they, they do it purely on time. And, uh, well, I mean, at the time I was also training like twice a day too. So I mean like mm. mat time as well. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think I was a, a blue belt that I paid for. <laughs> Mind you, um, after like eight months or something. Not bad. It so, took me over a year, so not bad, man. So, I mean, so whether that, or not is I that IBJJF it. legal? Like, is that. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't have been teaching class today, technically. So. Uh, yeah, if you go by their new standards of practice, yeah, no, he shouldn't have been. But. So, uh, Chris, we, we talked about this offline, and you asked me to ask you on air to answer it. You, ever since I've known you, Whenever you train, you within, I would say, three hours of leaving the mats, you've posted a check-in on Facebook, and you've tagged, I believe, everyone that you're friends with that was in class. Yes. For the most part. And I wanted to know, was there a reason for this? And you said yes. So, so I'd like to hear that reason. Yes, there is a reason for that. Number one, um, for, for, just, for just being a friendly person, right? Like, it's, it's always good to be inclusive. Um, and... Uh, Oftentimes I'll tag people who weren't in class, right? Sometimes uh, there's the. I'm always in class, so I don't. You know are what you're always doing. in class, but um, there's the uh, the the whole sort of like uh, buzzword that was floating around for a while, like the whole accountability partners thing. Like if you're familiar with that, it's basically just like calling people out if they're not training. So um, a big part of it is is that you know and just you know offering people recognition for for their hard work calling people out for their not hard work. And honestly, it's, it's just, it's good advertising for the gym. You know, like, it's... See, I thought you were doing it to, like, combat dementia or something like that. Like, <laughs> like, I'm going to, like, see my memory, if I can remember everyone. <laughs> I know? was actually contributing to um, the whole having Facebook and Google both create the perfect, like, virtual Chris. To see, like, if it's they can... Somehow, the algorithm? Yeah, like, yeah. to see if they can, like, if, if like... I can somehow upload my consciousness through pure experience 
into like the this ether. Is deep now. <laughs> like after you know, like I'm trying to black mirror it, right? Like after I'm gone, if they can be like, all right, I can take Chris's like Google locations and his Facebook check-ins and his Yelp check-ins. If we can just create this like Chris consciousness, we can recreate, you know, <laughs> reconstruct <in> this, Chris <laughs> exactly. Instead of like a six-day Arnold Schwarzenegger like blank body. Oh, nice. Then <laughs> let's do reference. it. I'm I'm super into that. Like, cause that's that's true immortality, right? Like, mm, are we are we going this way already? Well, oh, if, yeah. if the thought I mean, is to be remembered for something, then yeah, it exactly, is. right? Yeah. Like, what better way of being remembered for something than to be there perpetually? That, that's that's my goal. So, um, so just let's bear in mind. I haven't eaten since lunch yesterday. Um, Why in the world? Would I just you do trained. Such a thing? I would say that was a pretty hard class, right? It yeah, was, it was pretty rough, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty tired and pretty dehydrated, and I'm sucking down a nine percent. This is gonna right be a good app. This is gonna this be good. Is, I, I'm, yes, this so, will, this will be the highest what? listenership ever. <laughs> <laughs> so we're gonna go from two to three. We're gonna we're gonna increase by fifty. Actually, I was surprised that the number of people have. Like I think we're over fifty for the first one, which Not bad. which is crazy. How many? Over fifty for no, the first one. Yeah. Really? Which is I think it's I crazy. I listen to it. You know. So. Um, Chris, you texted me last night that Ryan had sent you a podcast to listen to. He did. That was, I believe was 10th Planet related. No, actually, it, it was, wasn't. It was Malcolm Gladwell. If anybody's read any of his works, uh, he did Outliers. He did The Tipping Point. He did okay. Blink, and um, he, he examines a lot of like seldom looked at aspects of personal life, professional life, uh, analytics of, of a sort. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So, what did you get out of that, Chris? It was it, okay. So. I always have to, like, find the ulterior motive with Ryan, right? Like, he's like, I'm going to send you this. It's kind of completely irrelated to anything that we're, like, talking about. But deep inside, it's actually, it all boils down to jujitsu. I know it's about jujitsu somewhere. Um, so he sent me an episode about uh, Wilt Chamberlain. No, was it Wilt Chamberlain? He was at least partially uh, yeah, yeah. the inspiration for it. The, the, the example that they gave was uh, Wilt Chamberlain, for those who don't know, is one of the most prolific scorers in the history of the NBA. He was the prototype for what a center used to be. And he actually averaged like 50 points a game in one of the early seasons of his career, which is unheard of. Guys can't even get to 30. He scored 100 in a game. He did. Yeah, the same year he scored 100 points. And they were looking at why he did that but never did it again. And it boiled down to his free throws that he was shooting. And he was a terrible free throw shooter. And he had been convinced to change his technique most people when they shoot free throws they do it essentially like they're going to shoot a jump shot but just nobody's standing in front of them well uh the there's been a lot of scientific evidence to support uh, mathematical evidence as well to support the idea that granny style going down between your feet and heaving it up underhanded is actually a higher percentage regardless of who you are regardless of the style of game that you play is higher percentage to shoot that way if that's the case why don't more people do it and the overarching narrative is why do people ignore really good ideas why can't you convince them that this way is better so at that point when i reached that point uh in the podcast driving home i was like ah he's talking about eddie bravo isn't he i'm talking about a lot of things uh but eddie bravo is one of them but jiu-jitsu related it's eddie bravo Mm -hmm. and i developed my entire counter argument to that (laughs) through most of the night so this that's where we're going today um partially Mm -hmm. all right so Eddie Bravo, right? Like that's because mm-hmm. you talked about how yes, he defeated Hoyler not once but twice, essentially, using tenth planet jujitsu, mm-hmm. American jujitsu. Essentially, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but 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 tenth planet style, right? Yeah, like yeah, yeah, a yeah. Very distinctive, flowy, um, 
I, I'm, a good I know system, right? Yeah. Like it, it, he he wasn't playing uh, the one of the one of the big things about tenth uh, plan style, if you ask me, is that it's not playing jujitsu without the grips. It's a completely different animal as far as how you control the the head, you control the arm, using uh, gable grips, things like that, wrist control, all that sort of thing. Uh, things that most people just ignore because when when they play without the gi, they're just playing they're playing the same game. They just don't have the same grips. And so, so just to, so just to get the context of this, are we talking about grappling in gi or no gi or both? Uh, both actually, but it's just just a. I, I would have expected that when Eddie did that, because his whole thing has been that people have said for a long time that you need to to get good without the gi, you got to be good with it first. Mm-hmm. And Eddie didn't buy that for a second. Uh, and I think that any Division One wrestler who's ever been any good at uh, submission grappling or what have you, I think stands as a good example. But uh, that besides. I came at it, and Eddie wouldn't, because Eddie's not a sports guy, but uh, I came at it in the the respect that if you're going to get better at baseball, play baseball. Don't play cricket. Don't play checkers. Don't play anything. If you're going to get better at something, practice the way you play. And there's just not a lot of that being done. People say, oh, well, we'll just plug this in later. And I think there's a better way. I think there's, if you want to call it a life hack or whatever, jiu-jitsu hack. I think there's a shorter way to do it, and the shortest distance between two points is a straight line. So, so in your mind, what's jujitsu? We gotta first define what jujitsu yeah, is. Jujitsu is with go. the gi. So, jujitsu is any form of grappling wearing a gi. No, because uh, well, uh, judo doesn't spend a lot of time on the floor, and neither does sambo. It incorporates the guard and all that sort of thing. But if you're not wearing the gi, you're not doing jujitsu. Bottom line. Okay. Yeah. You might be doing catch wrestling. You might be doing submission grappling. But you have to wear. It's like uh, re- people have called wrestling judo without the gi. Okay. Yeah, it's mostly on the feet. You can't be on your back. That's bad. All that kind of stuff. But there's no gi grips to work with. So judo and wrestling work much the same way. So if, if so, to go with your analogy here, if you want to get good at baseball, do baseball. Mm-hmm. If you want to be the best at jujitsu, what do you do? You do jujitsu. If you want to be the best at say uh, for the Abu Dhabi championship, yeah. Do submission grappling. Don't do jujitsu and then just take the gi off. Okay, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. So I the. Obviously, you know, I'm the pup here, so I have the least amount of grappling experience and training and all this. But the, the, the one thing I'll contribute to this is, um, you know, part of our inspiration doing this podcast, Chris and I, was we listened to the Matt Byrne podcast, which is with Josh and Keenan Cornelius, you know. And one of those guys was making the point, actually it's Keenan, that the reason, one of the reasons, not the only reason, but one of the reasons a guy like Gordon Ryan is so successful in all his endeavors is because he's never trained in the gi. Mm. He's just exclusively dedicated to training no gi submission, you know, submission grappling. So in Keenan's terms, it's like, well, you know, me and all these other guys at Atos, we have a no gi season, mm-hmm. so to speak. But if you just look at pure mat hours, Gordon Ryan's like lapping them just because he's specializing in that one thing. And to take it a step further, uh, Gordon made an interesting comment that I kind of agreed with. He kind of, I think, went on a, like a political tangent because he he kind of talks about how people don't have good work ethic in this country, and that's a side. That, that's that's <laughs> yeah, a topic. Yeah, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dive on that. Yeah, one. no need there. But he's basically, the world, yeah. Time, but. but basically, and I think he's trolling too. But um, he said that he would not be surprised if you see uh, the uh, Russia and Russian old Soviet bloc countries uh, if they start adopting. Uh, if they start transitioning from wrestling into submission grappling, they're probably going to start dominating because it's just, as he said, you know, they have great discipline. They, you know, they train hard. And, and I think if they could get good training, I could see that. I don't know if they have the background in 
in all the techniques as opposed to just being pure wrestler? Well, to that thought, uh, in, in, from my observation, you're asking them to do to abandon not just, not, well, not necessarily abandon wrestling, but they'd have to kind of at least shuttle it to the side a little bit. They'd have to abandon Sambo as well. That's you true. see a Russian or a former Soviet Federation athlete come out, chances are they were good at Sambo. Mm. So you're asking them to, to sublimate that as well. They've got to push that off to the side to get better at this. And that's said they couldn't. And yeah, it's a, bit, a little bit about work ethic and all that sort of thing. But uh, the the Soviet bloc countries, China's still sort of in that in that vein as well. Uh, the whatever sport they decided to get good at, they got good at because that's all they did. There was uh, they were supplemented by the government, and so I uh, watched the uh, they did. Uh, there was a documentary called Red Army uh, came out a few years ago, which was about the Russian hockey team, the one that lost to the Americans in 1980, and they were saying that they did hockey-related training 11 months out of the year. Even when there wasn't snow on the ground, there was no ice. So, and they were against a bunch of college kids and stuff that did this, what, four months a year or something like that? So it's no, no big surprise that they dominated people. Uh, but there's not that system anymore. The government doesn't supplement their training and all that kind of stuff. They still give them steroids. Is there not? No, not like that. Not like it used to be. So it's not like Ivan Drago anymore? No. Okay. <laughs> not, not purely like that, no. Really? Mm -hmm. Okay. I just assumed it was. I mean, I mean I, well, China it is though, right? Like China they, is, yeah. They go and like they'll pick out like yeah, you show your old. They'd be like, you're you show be, you're good at something. That's all you do. You're yeah. gonna be a gymnast, and I'm gonna pay for you to get to the Olympics when you're 11 years old. So, so Ryan, coming back to jujitsu, then what are some of the uh, let's say flaws or mistakes that most people are doing when it comes to training jujitsu? Uh, from my observation, I think that there's not enough attention being paid to sort of the Bruce Lee philosophy uh, and as far as what works for you. There's people who don't train to their body type. Uh, someone who's a very dear friend of mine who's not uh, living in Orlando anymore, my buddy Tyler Weslowski. He's 6'1", 6'2", something like that. And he was trying to play like Marcelo Garcia. This is a huge mistake. Do not try to play like Marcelo Garcia if you're that big. He should be, I told him over and over, you should be playing like Hodger Gracie does. Do the things that he does. He takes advantage of what it, uh, natural gifts he has and all that sort of thing. And if you're not uh, circling back around to Eddie Bravo, Eddie was not a guy who had the strongest grips. He was an athletic guy. That's part of what caused him to develop, fortunately for him, he was a bit flexible, caused him to develop the rubber guard which he actually started, sort of stole from something he saw Henzo Gracie do in a fight once. But uh, he said, I can't do that. I'm going to do this. Why be the second best at anything? Do what you do well. Uh, I've, I've said, and I even, I even uh, dropped it a bit when I, I got promoted to black belt. I've always felt that jiu-jitsu is as different as the person doing it. It all comes under the, the big umbrella of jiu-jitsu. And so this is all Brazilian jiu-jitsu or whatever. But I don't play like Chris does. Chris doesn't play like you do. None of us, I don't think, play like Paul does. There's influences there because that's who taught us. But purely so, no. And it would be ridiculous to try to do so because we're all different sizes. So at what point... So uh, I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Uh, the one thing that comes to mind for me is when a new person starts jiu-jitsu, mm -hmm. and I can even you know use myself as an example, even as a blue belt, Like I feel like this is the... Um, just overload of information time. Like I'm learning all the advanced guards. I'm learning more passing techniques. I'm learning all this stuff. I, you know, I, when I was up actually up in Maine on the, on, you know, doing a podcast up there, they asked me, well, what do you like to do? What's your game? I was like, dude, I don't have a, like, I don't know what my game is. Like I'm still, I'm still learning. I'm still onboarding, so to speak. So mm -hmm. 
Um, do you think there's a point at which someone should start developing that? Or do you think the instructor needs to foster like, okay, this is the point where you need to start experimenting and find what works for you? Because I think, I feel like a total beginner or even a blue belt needs um, just to be told stuff, mm. just to learn. Because they, I don't know any better. It's not like I have a background in, in wrestling where I have some notion of, of control and pins and that sort of thing. So where, where does someone uh, make that leap and start figuring out what they like to do and cultivate that, in your opinion? Well, for me, uh, I actually started, well, because I was a junkie for uh, professional wrestling. I was a junkie for any kind of grappling, really, uh, before I ever started doing jiu-jitsu. And I was watching the UFC and uh, saw what those guys were doing and what worked for them. Uh, and so I already had, uh, going back to uh, when Sakuraba defeated Hoist Gracie, and I was like, how in the world did he do that? Because the, the Gracie name was tantamount to invincibility at, the, at that point in time. It was 2000, so um, showing my age, actually, on that one. But, uh, and I wanted to know what he did, and I, I broke it down. I thought analytically and stuff, and there was a lot of work with grips, especially the double wrist lock grip. As soon as somebody took his back... Even Hoist Gracie, he That's wasn't a That's the Kimura grip for non... That's the Kimura grip, non, yes. Non-jujitsu folks. Uh, wait, for jujitsu folks, sorry. He wasn't uh, afraid of, of Hoist taking his back because, well, I've got, I've got control of his arm. If you're going to try to advance your position, you've got to let go, and now I've got, I've got this, I might break your shoulder with it. I said, that's, that's, that's got to be sort of a cheat code right there. That's, that's my Contra uh, extra 10 guys thing or something. Uh, so immediately, guys. So I, from the time I started doing jujitsu and I found myself on my back, guy puts his hand on the mat... I control his wrist, I go over the top, I've got control of the double wrist lock grip. And if he wants to come up me, he can, but he might sacrifice that particular, he's only got one arm to do it with, and he might sacrifice his arm to being submitted if he's not careful. Especially because I'm not very good, I can't get out from underneath him, this is when I'm brand new and all that. So that was one of the first steps along the way. Now I'm not saying that everybody has to do that from day one, because everybody comes at it from a different position. I think probably by the time that you're a blue belt or a purple belt, you should have a pretty good idea as to what works for you. And it's a, uh, it's about uh, being inquisitive. Uh, I was always looking at different books uh, by different guys, Saul Hibero, all those people like that, looking at different stuff that was on YouTube, which was practically brand new at the time. And the jiu-jitsu community was very helpful in uploading a bunch of training videos bunch of different technique videos uh, showing different things that we weren't doing in class and I said well okay some people would say this is outside my realm of expertise but that might work for me and uh, as, particularly as it related to a lot of the 10th planet stuff I still do today somebody asked me this week who taught you how to do the twister the answer is me I taught me I've been doing this for over 12 years still no one has taken me aside and said this is how you do it I figured it out so if I'd waited around for somebody to show me how to do it, I'd still be waiting right now. Do you feel, because um, I know like you and I have sort of differing opinions about, like, because you approach it from a, a very catch wrestling mm -hmm. like philosophy, and I approach it from probably the most pure jiu-jitsu philosophy in, in our academy right now, where I just, I, I, I just believe jiu-jitsu, right? Like the idea of position before submission. Um, and you believe position, or excuse me, sub submission from anywhere. Yes, submission right? from like, any position. So how does a brand new student who doesn't have any sort of like fundamentals, and fun and what's fundamental is arguable as well, right? Mm -hmm. I think so. How, how do you take a day a, a day one white, or day one newbie, let's not even get jujitsu about it, like I, I would call them a white belt, and, and start teaching them safely and repeatedly put submission from anywhere? Without, because like the, th th that's my biggest argument is like, what's, 
what you'll get good at is what you can do repeatedly safely, mm-hmm. and th- those are not they're they're uh, not interde- they're interdependent of one another, right? Like th- that's one thing that why leg locks are somewhat dangerous. I mean, it's arguable. I mean, it, I think it's becoming more. Um, the recognition is there of like that it is dangerous, but it's trainable because people don't just rip immediately. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you teach a like a white belt that? Day one, like in my opinion, you have to teach them position first, right? Because you can't secure a submission without controlling the torso, the limbs, et cetera, et cetera. Afterwards, control is whether you're talking about catch wrestling, whether you're talking about tenth planet style, whatever it happened to be, even in into judo or or sambo, control of your opponent is the most crucial element. You can get submissions if the guy happens to make a mistake out of a scramble or something like that, but that depends on him making a mistake. He'll do it independent of what you're, you're trying to, to do. Uh, if you've got control of them, then you can force them to make a mistake. So that's the most important thing. Get confident in certain positions. Get uh, comfortable in certain positions. Get comfortable on your back. Don't be afraid to be there and all that sort of thing. Um, and then you can start learning. This is something that, in my estimation, they still don't do very well, at least as far as I've seen. Submission chaining is very important. You should be able to go all the way up and around the entire human body without losing contact with your opponent. You can go from the leg all the way up to the head, back around the other side without stopping touching them. And I don't know too many people who can do that. And and, and maybe okay, so like maybe it's a, a sort of like survivor bias in this effect. I'm going to use um, like can we all agree just that amongst three of us right now and our listeners that ADCC is the like the paramount of whether you want to call it grappling, jujitsu, submission wrestling, right now, that's probably the of no gi. Yeah. Of no gi. Of no gi. That's the big because like block, we can't. Yeah. It's hard to get into rule sets and whatnot too. But like, so let's just agree. Then in my, in my, uh, my question is why are there not more tenth planet trained folks winning uh, ADCC? Well, there are guys. Uh, that that was been a long. Uh, standing argument about you, know, you see it on the internet at different different forums and stuff there used to be none it was like Eddie and then a bunch of guys that are disciples of his that still haven't done anything yet now there's getting to be more and more of them yeah like Gio was in the last one uh-huh right? like, and uh, like Nathan Orchard's made some noise and things like this and uh, it's it's getting to be uh, part of it was him spreading his uh, his network and stuff guys would take off and then go start their own school somewhere and stuff and if you're doing that way you can't devote as much time perhaps to training as you want to but uh, it's it's an excuse of sorts, I'll agree, but uh, there needs to be uh, more time given to, to the proliferation of it because okay, you're still fair. getting you're still getting people coming from other they're, they're trying to dominate other styles as well. There's still people coming in from college wrestling. There's people coming in from sambo, all that kind of stuff. Uh, there's still room for those guys too. Okay, um, so like Michael, so right now you're saying because a lot of the elite athletes tend to gravitate towards the better performing schools, mm-hmm. so like that's keeping those better. Like so, okay, so all things equal, right? Let's say like a, a uh, what Kenyan Duarte, whatever his name is, Kainan, Kainan, whatever. I, I don't speak Portuguese. <laughs> um, if he were to go, in your opinion, hmm. he goes to Tenth Planet Freaks. Mm-hmm. Or he goes to Gracie Baja. Mm-hmm. Is he going to perform, like, given the same amount of time, all things equal, he qualifies for ADCC. Where does he, if he, 
if they're to, to a clone of, of, of him, which one does better in ADCC? The one that buys into the system better. The I was going to say, based on what he said, it's like who, who the system fits better. Mm-hmm. You know? It, 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 it goes back to your whole thing, Chris, about like jujitsu is an expression of one's personality. Mm-hmm. And along with, with Ryan's, it's also an extension. If the person's pragmatic and doesn't have too much of an ego about it, um, it's, the, the jujitsu is an extension of their personality and a recognition of what their body type and what their physical capabilities allow them to do. You know, it's like you're not going to see a guy with stubby legs and stubby arms, no offense to those guys, doing, doing spider grip. Maybe there is a guy doing I'm sure there's examples of guys sure. doing that. You I know? think there's few and far between. <laughs> yeah, but the point is, is like if you're gifted with longer arms and longer legs, there are certain techniques that are going to fit that body type a lot more, you know. Um, so I think that's, that's, I think, is the answer to that. I don't think there's any – I do agree that the Tenth Planet guys – because and this this goes to the whole kind of cultural thing of jiu-jitsu because they're kind of counterculture to jiu-jitsu and um kind of how it's been traditionally in terms of not training with the gi um naming all the i think even naming all the moves all these funky names is kind of weird for the brazilians you know Mm because they just want you know i think it's honestly to me in my opinion it's, it's a good practice because like isn't it the same as like calling plays in football, right? Like, well, yeah. what I think from a I think from a competition point of view, right now, it makes it's actually a competitive advantage because no one knows what the hell they're talking about if you're mm. not a Tenth Planet guy. I think from a like um, from an educational standpoint, I think you could come up with names that have a little more logical significance to the positions. Sure, you know, it's like Newton, you know, electric chair. Okay, what you know, electric here could be. Like someone said, electric here. Nothing pops into my head. What pops into my head is but like, as long as we can like all the green agree mile. That. That's what pops into my yeah. head. You know. Mm. But as long as we can all agree on the 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 the, the term for the definition. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. As long as we can all agree on that, then it's good, right? Absolutely. Because like that's that's the key to like. And they on actually, knowledge. when I when I you know if I'm on scrolling through Instagram and I'm seeing these things pop up like a tenth planet thing, um, it's like to their credit. Every position has a name. Yes. Mm-hmm. Whereas we're out there, and we still haven't named what that position is when you kill when you're in Delahiva guard, and you kill the first hook behind your leg, which is the where we start. Like for me personally, right now, like when I try to pass Delahiva guard, I kill not the hook side, the 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 far leg side that's on my thigh or my mm-hmm. hip. I push that between my legs and I squat over it, and I try to knee cut, I try to cut to the other side or whatever, float pass, whatever you want yeah, to do. Yeah. We don't have a name for that. I, I have a name for that because I, I also. Okay, what do you call that? Cause I, I call it headquarters. Okay, so that's from Lovato. I saw Lovato call that right? the headquarters. Like I call headquarters position. But we don't call that. And, and we would agree that universally, that's not a name like Delahiva is no, no, or reverse Delahiva. That's not an established position. So there are all these, like, uh, I, you know, I could call them intermediate positions, but it's like we're in them so much, but we don't call them that. So to 10th Planet's credit, mm-hmm. like, I saw these guys go from rubber guard to what looked to me, the untrained eye. The same as rubber guard, but they'd switch su- like a subtle grip. They called it something else, and I was like, "Oh, like, yeah, well, no, it's like, like New York con- uh, position of the meat hook or something." Yeah, exactly. I heard meat hook in there and stuff. So you know, to that, I think it's good because. So is it that ten planet is just a better system of learning, and 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 passing on knowledge, or is it just a better system overall? Right. No, it's not better because uh, it, it's not going to suit certain people. Like I, I wondered, and I, I think this, this, this does make. Uh, some bit of sense. I wondered why there were certain people, not just in MMA, but certainly people who came from other fighting arts, 
to come to jiu-jitsu and were struggling with certain aspects of it, particularly people who came from like a striking art or what. And for my observation, it was because when you, when you train at anything, whatever sport it happened to be, or especially in this case a fighting art, you're essentially learning a language. Yes. And as we know, uh, certain languages like uh, English is a Germanic-related language, all that then there's your Romance languages, all of them are, are, are Latin-based and stuff. So if you're going to learn French, learning Spanish isn't too hard after that. Uh, Agreed, which is why I don't I don't give much criticism. People are like, I speak seven languages, and like it's Spanish, <laughs> Portuguese, and Italian. Uh-huh. Like I'm like, they're pretty similar. A lot of crossover. But if you're trying to get somebody who was a black belt in Taekwondo or whatever, and you're trying to teach them Jiu-Jitsu, that's a completely different language. They're a striker first. They're trying to uh, communicate uh, different things in their brain to their limbs and stuff, and their first instinct is to hit you. I actually experienced this problem in reverse. I trained Taekwondo for a number of months back in 1998, and I had a guy who was tried to kick me in the ribs. I caught his leg, and then I went to try to just push him down and stuff, and I was going to pummel him after that. And I said, what are you doing? I said, well, I caught your leg. I'm going to push you down now. You can't do that. Well, I'm about to, and all that. And it didn't it didn't compute for me. Why would I not do this? This makes all the sense in the world. Well, I was learning a language, and I was fumbling it badly. So if you're trying to have somebody who's already thoroughly educated in a certain language and you're taking them out of that and trying to put them into the 10th planet system, they may struggle. They may not. But if you're teaching them from the ground up, I think you're going to have a lot more success with it. Okay. So kind of um, along this line, what I was thinking of is, and this is something that happened to me personally, I'd like to get your kind of input on it. There was a there was a period of time where I felt as though at, on the mat rolling, people had to do jujitsu. Meaning, it was like when I would go with a white belt, and maybe they had wrestler tendencies, and they would just stack me in my guard, and they wouldn't do much. They'd just stack me in my guard, and I'd be uncomfortable. Mm. I'd be sitting there like, what, you know, I'm thinking, what the hell are you doing? But I had a realization actually talking to some people that there's equal validity in that as jujitsu. And and, and I actually, like, I bought into that. Like, I was convinced on that. So, but what I do think is there is a tendency among some people, not all, to almost, I want to just use the word get offended or get annoyed or get miffed if someone's doing, let's call it, some sort of anti-jujitsu. Oh, you're not doing grips. You're not playing spider guard. You're not playing De La Hiva. You're not playing, you know, you're not going through the positions we learned in fundamentals, which is fine. Like, I, I understand, like, we're learning jujitsu. We're learning those positions. We're losing guard, mount, side control. But um, there is, I saw Hodger Gracie do pressure passing where he will stack a guy. Now, he won't, it's more of a guard break, but... There is technique to that, and you need to be aware of that, and you need to be able to defend against that. Because if you mm-hmm. don't, now from the art point of view, you can't defend yourself in the street against someone that's a wrestler. Mm-hmm. So, where do you do you agree with that to, to anything I'm saying? And where do you think that mentality comes from? If you do, uh, I think the mentality comes from people who either don't want to adapt or can't. Okay. Because I think that there's a lot of truth to everything that you had to say. I don't disagree with a word with it. Chris? Well, let me ask you then. All right, so... We, we Chris, I'm, this... I'm looking at you, Chris. I'm, I'm, I'm minding your vital signs right now. Sorry, like... I... <laughs> <laughs> so just going back to... I just... I, I down... You had a protein one, bar, so maybe there's one some solid... One third of a, uh, a Gatorade power bar here. 
And just so I can get my, um, like, in, like, hypoglycemia. Like, they're going to, like, have to... He's burning lean calories. Yeah, they're, they're having to uh, <laughs> to shoot just pure sugar into my system to get my glycogen levels up. Um, so my thought is, though, right, like, I trained... We, we discussed this in our first podcast. We're on episode three. Um, what is jiu-jitsu or grappling? We'll just use grappling interchangeably with jiu-jitsu right now. I, I, use, I just say jiu-jitsu because it's what I'm doing. But, like, the goal is to learn how to defend myself and to fight, right? And, like, I, I tend to agree with, and, and just to, to, to name drop Danaher, right? Like, he, I, I read, it's the biggest influence, influence on me since my, my day one jiu-jitsu days was Mastering Jiu-Jitsu. It says written by, like, Henzo Gracie, but it's actually, I believe it's ghostwritten by John Danaher. But, like, the page that sticks out in my head that I still apply to my game this day, and I always have in the back of my head, is the hierarchy of positions. And to me, like that's tantamount to grappling. Oh, and and just <laughs> Ryan, Ryan, is, Ryan is not impressed with that. Ryan just does this amazing jerking off motion at me <laughs> regarding the hierarchy of positions. So, like, I always try to keep that in the back of my head because, in Danner's or or Henzo's opinion, right? Like, that's necessary with MMA in mind to lend a person the advantage to strike and submit. Mm. Agree or disagree? To some extent. It's... The, the, one of the biggest problems I see developing all, uh, and started when I started seeing people doing like the Barambolo and things like this or people doing like deep half guard all this kind of stuff. Most people, oddly enough, Ryan Hall has not encountered a problem with this yet. I suspect he will someday. But uh, not just yet. If you're going into a position that does not translate into fighting in the street or does not translate into... Uh, being able to do so in MMA, I don't know why you're doing it. Just because this was a self-defense art first. There's a sport aspect to it, but there's a self. This is self-defense art first. And actually, uh, bearing into into that uh, thought process, yeah, there's a hierarchy of positions as far as control is concerned or what. But that doesn't mean, and what what gets uh, ignored a lot of times is the fact that like, okay, if somebody has my back, jujitsu logic says I got to stack him up back where you put all my weight on him and stuff like that and keep him from grabbing my neck blah 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 whatever and that I my primary job is to escape I said screw that crap depending on how good the guy's control is I might try to do that but my first thought is to slide down hook my elbow into your knee grab your toes and tra- just crank the crap out of that thing so my question is though, you think right? you've got me no you don't I, I, I agree right like but I would I would argue that the person who's going to get better at it, at any technique for that matter, is the one who can train it live mm-hmm. more often. Yeah. And oftentimes, moves like that are predicated on um, catching somebody off guard, which is, is always a good tactic in any sort of like self-defense, right? And also is predicated on um, the execution with speed, which can often lead to injury. So you can't train it as often with precision because of the potential for injury. Mm, there is that aspect to it. There, there can be if, you, if you're gonna if you're gonna rip something like that. But the same can be said to a kimura. The same can be said to an americana or an armbar. If you rip that stuff, no matter what context you're in, somebody's going to the hospital and it's going to be in dry dock for eight to twelve weeks. Uh, I always, whether I'm doing a heel hook or anything like that, anything concerned with that, I always do so slowly because one, I don't want to slip my grip. 
If I do it quick, he might just slip right out. So I maintain my control on the grip first, and I gradually apply pressure because, well, if I've got it, he ain't getting out. And two, if I don't have it, it's gonna annoy the crap out of him and he's gonna move. So there's gonna be a pain compliance element to it. And that allows me to do it uh, a lot more safely. I've never injured anybody doing something like that. Agreed. Which, which you do very well. Would you, would you argue, though, that... And I'm going back to the Jiu-Jitsu versus Catch Wrestling thing, because okay. it's just fun. Um, <laughs> is... Why, why aren't there more successful Catch Wrestlers in... Not, not, you know, we're stepping away from, uh, from Tenth Planet, because we can all sort of agree that like Tenth Planet is ultimately a branch of jiu-jitsu yeah why aren't there more catch wrestlers successful in grappling competitions like adcc there's not that many guys who are gravitating towards it yet uh the, the numbers are for whatever reason still pretty low like there's josh barnett and who uh like i'm, I'm saying this far no no yeah rhetorically and yeah, agreed yeah, like, like, he's, he's, and, he's the biggest name in it people know that name there's other guys and stuff and i'm very familiar with them i actually know some of them personally but Orlando's a good size market. It's okay, name drop, man. You know, no, I, I, that's how we get. I, I don't have enough time to to go into all their names, but um, there's also been a bit of a pissing contest between some of those guys. Like I think it was, was it Gordon? Was it Gordon Ryan? Somebody was saying that like uh, his wrestling is of such a level that somebody can't take him down or whatever it is. And there's a number of catch wrestlers on the forum that I'm more like, I'll do it and, and all that sort of thing. There was like a, a bet between them. Let's but, just go ahead and let's say Gordon Ryan said that to all catch yeah. wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they had that. Um, they organized a tournament between uh, Nicky Rod and um, not the name slipping, but he was a, he's an Olympic wrestler. Oh, level. Um, yeah, yeah. And the Olympic wrestler teched him. You know mm. what I mean? But that's all rule set. You know what I mean? Yes. That, that, that was all dependent on rule set. Um, kind of going back to what I said, and I think I can state what I was thinking better. And this kind of goes what Ryan introduces. And, and the thing I want to say is. What I appreciate, and I'm not saying this because he's on and I'm not trying to be confrontational, because Chris can say I, I have no problem with confrontation. You know, I will, I will stir things up. But what I appreciate about whenever Ryan teaches is whether or not I'm going to apply his techniques, which are more, let's say, catch wrestling. Because he'll, he'll, he can do Brazilian jiu-jitsu techniques, but a lot of times if he has the opportunity, he's going to show us more uh, catch wrestling style stuff. What I appreciate about it is whether or not I choose to apply it in my game, I'm at least aware of it, so if someone does it to me, I feel it, I know what that feeling is, and I know that I'm in danger if I, if I allow them to continue. If they start to chicken wing me, I'm in trouble, so to speak, mm. you know what I mean? So, in that respect, I really appreciate it. I think the, the best way to describe kind of what I was saying earlier is I had a conversation with a white belt um, a few months ago, and the guy uh, was somewhere else, and he had been training just, let's say, eight months, maybe longer maybe let's say he'd been training for eight or nine months and he was he couldn't get over that he grappled with a, a high school wrestler and he got toyed with mm. he's like but i know jujitsu so you know i don't get it and i think that because jujitsu has been marketed as you know the art you know like this is the you know this is the superpower which it is which it is i i think in a way i think it is like you can as a smaller person you can do things to larger people that is you know when you first do it very empowering and very cool but you can't deny the effectiveness of wrestling you can't deny the effectiveness of other grappling arts and to just think because you do jiu-jitsu you're on the winning team is a naive one you don't have to practice the other arts but you have to be aware of them because if you're in the street let's go street argument if as a jiu-jitsu player if i'm in the street 
and I want to pull guard with a wrestler? Am I fucking insane? Like, yeah, I'm but, fucking but insane right, right now, right? Unless yeah, you're really good at leg locks, yeah, you are. Unless you're really good at leg locks, or you're really good at sweeps, right? Like, because isn't the mm. idea be- behind, because what are the three S's from guard, right? You can okay, just, I'm, gonna, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt you right there. If I'm in a street fight, well, I am I'm not, not pulling guard. guard. I mean, I am yeah. trying to take that guy down, even though I suck at wrestling. I'm still trying to take him down. I'm starting to be on top. Agreed, agreed. agreed okay, agreed. like, I mean, I'm that, just that saying. Aside. Well, can but, I, like, yeah, go ahead. Can I interject on, on, on that right there? Uh, this is this is to me we're going to a different thought process. I'm not saying that you're wrong. You're not. You, you do no matter what position that you're in uh, in a street fight, no matter who your opponent is. Yeah, you want to be on top of them. You want to take them down. But what everybody, in my estimation, seems to neglect and forget about, if you see if you're against a guy who's either just really really big, because it, it might not matter if he's not trained at all. Sure. If he's 350 pounds. I might have trouble taking him down. Absolutely. Yes. Well, don't bother. Submit him on the feet. Yeah. Submit him on the feet. Crank the crap out of his neck or something. Don't bother trying to engage him there. But I think that's one of the beauties of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Maybe I'm just like a Jiu-Jitsu apologist at this point, right? But like, maybe maybe I'm buying too much into the, the mythology of Jiu-Jitsu and, and the idea that like it's predicated on the idea of you being the weaker, less athletic opponent. So you're going to have to work off your back. And that jujitsu, due to the hierarchy positions, gives you a roadmap to work your way out of that terrible position. Mm-hmm. That, I mean, and that, 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 that's how I approach it. Well, against an untrained opponent, yes, it does. Uh, the problem started to arise, like a bit of background. I didn't believe it. I, when I got uh, introduced in, uh, to what jujitsu was, and uh, a buddy of mine said, Do you know who Hoist Gracie is? And never heard of him. And all that. What? And you had never heard I was of 18 years old. I'd never heard of Hoist Gracie. And. This is showing you how long ago this was. We went to Blockbuster, rented the videotapes of the Ultimate Fighting Championship. We nice. watched them. Like he can't which, be. Which one did you watch first? Uh, I think it was UFC two. I want to say. Was it two? Oh, yeah. that's a good one. That's when he. That's the greatest performance ever of of, of four, Voice Gracie. Four guys he beat. Yeah. Exactly. Four men in a single night. Mm-hmm. And progressed all the way up and through. And I was like, how? Then went back to UFC one. How do you beat Ken Shamrock? Yeah, he beat Ken Shamrock. All right. And With then, a gi, mind you. He did. Uh, and then all the way down to when he beat Dan Severn. When he beat Dan Severn, that's what sold me on it. Because Dan Severn was on top of him the entire time. He outweighed him by almost 100 pounds. And he had him in position for 10 minutes or something like that, where nothing was happening, nothing was working. And, stuff. and the announcers even said, no, nah, there's nothing there, there's nothing there. And then all of a sudden, Dan's hand was tapping the mat. And I went, what the hell did he do? What he, did he do? He I'm was not fine pretty... a second ago. What happened? Well, it was I a tri- remember this. Go ahead. It was go a triangle go ahead. choke. Go ahead. Yeah. It was a triangle choke. Senkaku for Wh- the win. Which, if people uh, are, are longtime uh, practitioners of jiu-jitsu or what, the, probably the first time anyone saw a triangle choke didn't know it, 1987, Lethal Weapon. Oh, yeah, Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson. Yeah, <laughs> and you, do you know who was the technical advisor on that? Um, Hickson or something? Orion Gracie. No. Yeah. Uh-huh. Did it to Gary Busey, so. Guys, guys. But, I have to do the, the, the Henner. But he had done it. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu. I love Henner, for the record. I love Henner. Uh, One of the best salesmen. But he, he was, apparently he was just close to having it and didn't have it, so nothing was happening. When he finally cinched it up whether he wanted it, Severin was screwed and he tapped him out. And I said, I got to figure out what he did. But when wrestlers started learning Jiu-Jitsu and... Muay Thai guys started learning jiu-jitsu or at least learning how to sprawl and we're not being taken down so easy anymore that forced or it should have forced an active evolution of the sport and jiu-jitsu not that it hasn't evolved at all it certainly has I don't think it's evolved enough and not in the right directions Boo. well I, I'll say this 
and this is again coming from a you know just going on two years blue belt so i understand like i'm not the most educated you know opinion here but i will say this i think jujitsu is a very young and immature sport and i say that with all respect when i say mature i don't mean that in a bad thing i just mean there's a lot of growth that can happen by definition of time yeah Yeah. but from time wrestling is like the the original olympic sport Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i'm not saying it's fully solved but man they've that is a mature sport and when you go to a wrestling class if you if if i walk in to day one i'm with uh daniel cormier or i'm with you know, any top, I'm going to use MMA guys because I'm more familiar with MMA. But if I go to DC, I'm like, DC, teach me wrestling. He's going to know. You start with this, then you go to this, then you go to this. I could go into five different gyms right now, and I'm confident in jujitsu gyms, mind you. Yeah. And they'll start me five different ways. Mm-hmm. I'm confident with that. You know, that we haven't figured out how to teach jujitsu, and we have, it's not a, it hasn't matured yet, you know? And it might Is that not because even. Because there are so many possibilities within jujitsu. Whereas ultimately, wrestling is control the guy and put him on his back. There's one end goal. There, there is one objective. However, there's different. If you know of anything about funk style wrestling, which Ben Askren did a lot of, yeah, at the Olympics that way. Uh, there's a lot of leg riding things like that. There's guys that will just go and do like a uh, Alexander Karelin and stuff on your ass and all that kind of stuff. Or or Brock Lesnar as as uh, successful as he was, uh, the NC2A uh, 2000 wrestling champion. Um, when they had a, a, a private match uh, just in an empty arena, Kurt Angle schooled his ass. So, and Wait, Kurt, Kurt Angle schooled Brock, Brock Lesnar? Oh, yeah, this, it, is, this is this is uh, professional wrestling lore. This is, Wait, like, is this... Is no this, one denies is it. Is this for real? Yeah. Oh, like, absolutely. In, in real so, I, I'm with, so I was a big Attitude Era guy. Um, I'll admit I'm intrigued by AEW now. I don't know if you've been following Not that. Really. Not really. Okay. So anyway, um, but back in the day... they're like for the worker. <laughs> yeah, they are. Yes. But back are in the, the day... Um, I was a big Kurt, Kurt Angle fan, and I do remember that was that that was that big thing because those were the two amateur wrestlers, right? Olympic champions. Were they in the know? same weight class? No, no well, Brock well, oh, oh, juice like, to the gills at two sixty like, or something, you know. But that was the thing. But again, to me, I chalk that up to Kurt Angle's an Olympic wrestler mm-hmm. who won a gold medal. Yep. Brock Lesnar's an NCAA stud. Mm-hmm. There's a difference from NCAA and you know. There are levels to this, right? That's that's the only thing I took away. It's sets all together. Right? A little bit, yeah. Okay. No, I, I'm talking about just technical. Well, it's the difference between freestyle and folk style, and yes, there are some differences in the rules. Okay. But uh, it's a difference in, in, in technique and the number of hours that have been put in. Kurt knew that he could not even attempt to muscle with Brock. It's, that's, a, that's a fool's gambit. It's stupid. He's given up 70 pounds. I mean, come on. Wait, so this is a closed-door match? Yeah, they were just in an empty ring, yeah. And this is wait, and the locker room was gathered was like surrounding them uh-huh. and watching and probably placing bets for all people. Probably were under what rule set? Amateur wrestling, uh, I, I would guess. I, like, I don't know what the no. Rules I'm set. sure there weren't any points. Who's going to call this points? This is not on video. No, no. Oh, they can't well, call points. How do we stuff, even come well, on? Because, because I, if Brock wanted to deny it, he could. <laughs> okay. You know. And and Kurt Angle schooled him. Yeah. Hmm. Does Brock deny this? No, he no. doesn't deny it. Mm-mm. No, I mean I think from from my understanding. Again, listening to different uh, recountings of the stories from different people. And when I say different people, this is all secondhand. Like, just listening to podcasts or listening to an interview here and there. It's not like I directly spoke to someone. Um, it was basically that, yes, Brock was an athletic freak. But Kurt Angle, um, it kind of almost like Marcelo Garcia, I think, would be a good jiu-jitsu okay. analogy. It's like Marcelo Garcia, from a, compared to a lot of the guys he goes with, is not the most physically imposing guy. 
Kurt Angle's probably more physically imposing, oh, yeah, especially yeah, then. Yeah, but in terms of disparity, that's like, you know, Marcelo going with a guy who's 6'3", 6'4", to do 30, to 40. Which he did do. Marcelo, which he did do. Rico, Rico Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Good, good example. Yeah. So it's sort of that sort of thing, yeah. you know. And I'll agree with that. Uh, but there's... For a long time, because uh, I used to be of the same opinion that jiu-jitsu was just the be-all, end-all thing when I, when I first got... Because I was a wrestling guy uh, before I got into jiu-jitsu. And I, I, when I found out about jiu-jitsu, I said, well, that trumps wrestling. End of story. He killed it dead and all this. And it took a long time before I started seeing the value in other things that other arts do. Uh, s- judo does uh, throws better than we do. They're, we're sister arts, but they do throws better than we do. Absolutely. Wrestling does takedowns better than we do. Yeah. Sambo and and, and they wrestling. work harder than us probably on maybe, average. Maybe yeah, so, there's yeah. A, there's a lot of laying on your side with your head propped on your elbow in jiu-jitsu. Yeah, <laughs> you no, I, see mean, that in I mean no no, I mean and, and that's the thing. It's like so the thing about my perspective on this is I look at it I compare it to my other athletic endeavors when I was younger. And I, I, I keep bringing this up, which is odd because I never thought I would. But it's like I played tennis my whole life. That was my thing. And I got, to a, mm-hmm. I got to a pretty high level with that. So when I look at jiu-jitsu, it's, a black belt it's like, yeah. <laughs> Probably so, like purple or something. So the thing I find is um, you can't be like I can't lie to myself and say if I'm the best jiu-jitsu practitioner, then I've solved the riddle. Like if I want to just be a proficient grappler... I need to be, I need to incorporate the cardio and work ethic of a wrestler, the takedowns of a wrestler, the submissions of a jujitsu guy, the throws of a judo guy. Like, if I, if ideally I could practice all three equally, sure. But you know, there's only 24 hours in a day, and Don't what we do can that. dedicate. Is, that's you like know? A, that's like flipping so think, me off in England. I think that's the one thing that I've re- yes. I've noticed is that jujitsu. There sometimes we fall into the trap of jujitsu is the end all be all. That's all you need to know. And jujitsu will take you a long way, but I think it's disrespectful to the other arts and also kind of deluding yourself mm-hmm. not to not to learn, at least just for awareness sake, what the other arts are doing because there's some effectiveness. If they weren't effective, they wouldn't be doing them for hundreds of years. It's People are doing jujitsu, Noah. It's you know. all jujitsu. Well, if, if that's it, the case, if, if we if we broaden the the sphere of jujitsu to all of that. Then sure. Then it's everything. Yeah, then we should have wrestling class. Yep. You know. But guess what? This is the reality. And I've asked Paul this: if we had a wrestling class here, you might have good attendance for a month, but it's going to drop off. You know why? Because wrestling classes are fuck ton harder than jujitsu classes. Is that so? Pressure is, makes a diamond. Is it though that that's the style of teaching that's just been successful, or is it that the idea that but okay so like I, I, it's hard to disagree that like the the way wrestling drills and the the system of teaching is good right but the style of teaching i would say makes it harder than it needs to be okay so so we've got a good a person uniquely qualified my part my training partner in crime victor is here and victor is a wrestler He's one of the, I would say, one of the few here that has a wrestling background that I know of that trains. And you've been chomping at the bit to make a comment. So just speak into the mic and, and hallucinate us. Please. Well, I can tell you for once that that monthly attendance point is very valid. I mean, I can tell you for 
as far as like when you're in practice, uh, the first week, even preseason, the first week of that is full. So we have this little tiny wrestling room full of people. And then two weeks in, you got the uh, 10, 10 guys. Mm. So the, you have the, the varsity guys. So what's the drop-off? Like the drop-off is 50%? No, more than that. More than that. Because you start with a bunch of people who are just curious. The people who know what, what, is, what it is because of UFC or whatever it is, whatever you want to call it. And then the people who, who really want to start. You know, so the drop-off is, is huge. So you end up with a empty wrestling room halfway through the season. Is that because okay? So like we, we can agree. I, I agree that Ryan with Ryan like pressure makes a diamond, right? Like that just that that drilling in hard work makes a better wrestler. It, it, drilling in hard work makes a better anything. Hundred percent. I a hundred agree, right? But like, I would argue that as athletics improves and you're beginning to see it now in like MMA and I'd, I'd like to ask Paul about this too because I'd like to pick his brain about it at some point like if you if you talk to him 12 13 14 years ago and you watch the way they train then and the way they drill then versus the way MMA fighters drill and train now I would guarantee you that it's much more smart training and less hard training and I think I feel as though wrestling has is so entrenched in terms of like culture, um, and it, it, that like they work much harder than they should. And I I would argue that given like let's eliminate all like if we can keep the amount of the technique knowledge that's available in wrestling, but update it with modern training methods, that you would have. A, uh, a less a, a smaller attrition rate, so less people would drop out. More athletes would stay in, and you would have a overall better wrestling. So let me let me. Maybe there are too many variables in there that are like idealized situations. But go ahead. So let me respond first with some of that. Um, I can't really remember in which year I, I heard this, but it's a very common theme that a, a very a high school wrestler gets away with things with athleticism and being very strong. I have yes. a, a friend of mine. Everybody see, does in see, every but, sport. But more so in wrestling. In jiu-jitsu, you can get away with not being as athletic because the technique is, is a lot more intricate. Whereas um, a, good, a, a good athlete, uh, this guy, um, the guy I'm thinking about, he's... Go he's ahead, just, call him out. I'm not. We'll fight him if he doesn't. If, he, if he's got a problem, we'll fight I'm not, him. He's a good friend. He's a good friend. Um, but uh, he was a great... He's a, a, a linebacker in the football team. He was such an athletic beast he was so good and he had a double leg takedown a pinning combination it's like a, a very basic half nelson pinning combination and like so a, get up, a get up from uh referee's <laughs> position which is kind of the wrestling turtle mm-hmm. and he would maul our fourth year varsity guys just because he was so athletic and and the reason why is because he big always, strong fast big strong fast and the reason okay. why is because he was just so, so, go, 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 so athletic, so fast, so explosive that you can get away with that. Obviously, at the higher levels in college wrestling and stuff like that, the things like that stop working, obviously. But at a certain level, you can get away with just being very explosive, very athletic. And it's because um, when it comes to scrambling, when it comes to uh, forcing somebody to the floor to, to pin him or to just score points, is very useful to have that that pop that aggressiveness and that explosiveness versus uh doing a correct de la Hiva sweep 
you need to have you can obviously explosiveness and aggressiveness all that stuff help if you're going to sweep somebody in a jiu-jitsu class but having a good having a good technique does more for you than having aggressiveness when you're doing like a delahiva or an x-car sweep things like that so that's, the, that's kind of my point. The, the other thing i want to say is and i'm just this is kind of a question that, that's just popped in my head in jiu-jitsu like a lot of most of the people in this gym i would call recreational grapplers Yes. Mm-hmm. Are there any recreational wrestlers? Because he just described in high school, right? It's like the people that are training on the high school team not only are competitive, they actually won their spot. They had to compete to actually get the chance or have the opportunity to train with the varsity. And same with JV. It, it, it just seems like historically, I'm going to say, that wrestling has not been... No one just goes, oh, I'm, I'm going to go down to Tracy's, you know wrestling academy and and work on my collar ties you know tuesdays and thursdays whereas here in jujitsu it's like you can show up twice you know two or three times a week it's a different culturally it's different you know like all the wrestlers are used to like competing just for the chance to train and that's i think a big difference between wrestlers when you see a wrestler come on the mat it's like you immediately realize they're a wrestler you know? I would like to clarify that I like jujitsu more than wrestling. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry, Coach Pat, if you're listening to this. Here's but, but, but I'm just saying, you know, he's probably not. That, that, shed, that sheds light on something that that uh, I, I, has troubled me for a long time. Uh, there's an aspect of, of wrestling that carried over into the professional ranks, and if anybody knows about it, uh, I, I apologize for telling you something you already know. But there's an active at least there used to be, I don't know so much anymore, but there was an active attempt to make sure people don't do it. If you came out into a professional wrestling gym, and we've got a pretty rich history of that here in, in Central Florida, over in Tampa, actually. A lot of wrestlers came through there uh, with a lot of amateur-style backgrounds, things like that. Hulk Hogan came out of there, Lex Luger came out of there, uh, trained by Hiro Matsuda, shooter from Japan. And the first thing they did to Hogan when he got there, 6'8", as he was, and 200-something pounds, they broke his leg to see if he'd come back. They actively discourage you from doing this because they want to see if you're mentally tough enough to do it. You don't need, we don't need anybody weak on the mat. And I've always been a little discouraged about the fact, to some degree, that jiu-jitsu doesn't do that. I know it's a business and you gotta take as many people indoors as you can to get as much money in the bank and all that kind of stuff, but if... Oh, it's not about commercial. Well, actually, I think, I mean... it. You want killers on the mat, man. I see that very clearly, though, because I think, if you look at the histories of the two things, Professional wrestling was, you know, uh, it, with again all respect, it was a carny thing. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It was something that we all know that that the outcomes are predetermined. There's a lot of athleticism now. We know. Yeah, these days, but, back in the carny, but back legit. in the days, they were th- that was all kayfabe. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That was all like you. The idea was actually the ori- the origins of it. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Ryan, but um, to my understanding, the origins were they were doing shoot fights in the circus and mm-hmm. then they had this bright idea of like well why are we fighting each other each night for real let's actually work the fight and that was sort of the origins of it mm-hmm. so at that time not only were they trying to weed out the tough guys they were weeding people out because the people they were going to accept in they were accepting into an inner circle into a secret and they were going to smarten them up and say mm-hmm. this is actually how we do things it's not it is a work meaning we are working with each other, we're not beating the shit out of each other. Conversely, what's, what's jiu-jitsu in, in America? It's, it's the Gracies teaching 
rich white guys mm. in South Cal in Southern California private lessons all the time. And if you were one of Hickson's, you know, inner oh, and, and, and you know, people are probably going to hate me for this. Thankfully, we don't have that many listeners. But the point is, it's like that, right? That was the thing. Are was you like, saying they, there's a certain amount of elitism in jujitsu? No, but it was private lessons for the upper class. Mm -hmm. And and I know this history a little less, but I feel like there was some. And you might know this, or anybody might. It, it existed in Brazil too. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, there. It there wasn't there some fracturing of the Gracies where some person wanted to go Honestly, to the favelas like, and, 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 and our, teach it. Our, our lineage, Carlson Gracie, was was the one who was more open to teaching everybody. Okay, so mm -hmm. that that's my thing. So I think a lot of that mentality of weeding people out versus not comes from the historical significance of one was trying to protect the business, mm. so we're gonna we're gonna select the people and make sure they're worthy versus we want to cater to the people with money and teach it to those guys. Those first black belts, American black belts, a lot of those are, you know, well-off dudes. Yeah. You know, they weren't necessarily athletic freaks, you know. So I think that's kind of where that came from. But do you guys agree, would you guys, that the, the idea of jiu-jitsu, or grappling in general, right, is to provide the athlete or martial artist, whatever the hell you want to use. I use martial arts because that's what I grew up in. The tools and abilities to overcome a bigger, stronger, more aggressive opponent. I would agree with that, but what? So I would like to make a point to what Ryan said about waiting out. It just depends on who you're catering to. Like if you're catering to somebody who's strictly looking for self-defense, like you're looking, like you're saying, able to defeat a larger opponent, then. You don't really need to be a killer. You just need to know enough to defend yourself and to keep somebody off your guard. I mean, Coach Paul makes this point the whole time. If I'm in an MMA fight, I'm losing. But if I'm in a street fight, I'm winning because I'm not getting my head caved into the concrete. Mm -hmm. So to that point, yes, if your goal is to go on the street and, and, and be uh, aware of the things that people can do and be aware of, of your own body to defend yourself, then, yeah, I would agree that that's kind of the, the point. You know? But it's just okay, so, you're catering to. So you, you want to teach somebody... Alexia, let's let's chime in here, right? You're. Did I get it right? It is Alexia, right? Ah, score one. Yeah. For the record, there are like four or five females in our gym, all of whose names begin with A L E X, and <laughs> this is true. <laughs> this is a hundred percent true. The and God I someone's called Daphne around here. I will <laughs> confuse them every single time. So I will call Alexia, Alexa, or Alexa, Alexia. I'm referring to my little Amazon box we sometimes. We have two Alexias and one... No, you've already fucked it up. We it's have two, two Alexas, Alexas and one Alexia. Exactly. Alexia. See, you've already fucked it up. Oh, and then there's an Alexi, too. And, ah. and Yeah, but we call her Lexi. Lexi, correct. Right, so either way. So why do you train? Get in there. Are you 21? You can have a beer. <laughs> she is 21, actually, so she can... So you're gonna have to get close to the mic for people to hear you. Why do you train? And we need we need because we're all for the right. I mean, like we're all males here, right? We're all we all have some sort of athletic or 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 martial arts experience. So we're we're like we're in it to kind of fight, right? You're probably the slightest female in our entire gym. Oh yeah. And how long have you been training? Well, just for context, I'm about five two, shy of a hundred pounds. Shy. So, shy mean over or shy, under? Like, it's under. Under, okay. Under, yeah. Okay. Depending on the day. I would say I train um, several different reasons. A lot of them are going to overlap with yours. The community, um, it's great for confidence. It's great for self-defense. 
It's a lot of the same reasons, except for just wanting to win a fight. That's not me. I want to survive. I want to be able to defend myself and get away if I'm in that situation. Um, for me, I don't... Do you feel as though jujitsu, in your experience so far, almost a blue belt, has given you the tools to do so? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I'm definitely more confident when I go out at night. Um, me, two years ago, could have used the skills that I have now. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. In, like, okay, like Yo, actual yeah, empirical... I'm okay, fresh cool. out of college, you know... I was, you know, going out and, you know, you see these things happen. Have you done the, the whole, like, have you seen that one commercial where the girl's, like, at the bar and the, the drunk guy? I've seen you, you know one. what I'm talking about? And I've then she, she, like, it's slips it. her hand into his collar. Have you had to do that yet? No. So I know you guys are out here fantasizing about winning fights. Like, that would I be do fun. Not, I do not do that, first okay, off. Okay, listen. Have you, though? What's that? Like, Fantasize if someone, like, pushed you and you, like, think about how you're going to, like, take him down. No, and... Chris is a pacifist. Um, I, I'm, the, I'm the most pacifist yeah, jujitsu person. Like... like, yeah, like, I'm, like, probably the exception to the rule at this gym, so. Whoops. <laughs> but anyways, but yeah. But I do. No. So, there's the confidence. There's the community. Um, also, want something to look forward to at the end of a work day. You know, I'm out here working the 9 to 5. And just knowing that I'm going to be able to come here to the gym, like, get stressed. How <laughs> appealing is doing a pure wrestling class to you? No. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Uh, I'm not confident in my takedowns. Maybe it's just because... Oh, I oh, oh, I saw him shake much. his head. <laughs> well, but only just because that's how do you expect to get better at him. That's how you get better at him. Yeah, I know. I understand that. It's. What's unappealing about a wrestling class? I would say my size. Like, I would feel like I need to be stronger in order to be confident enough to be taking down wrestlers. And let me make a point to that. In in wrestling room, when you're practicing for a meet, you go with your weight class or the person right above you or right below you. Yeah, everybody, I mean, you, you never, guys do it. You, you have a training partner in wrestling, right? like, where it's yeah. always and the even, same person you're always rolling with, yeah, right? Yeah, and even no, it's a little bigger than me, but if I were to go, if I were, if I were getting ready for, let's say, districts, I wouldn't go with the 160. I don't remember what it, I'm not what it was. I would go with the 132, which is one, the one, uh, 126, which is the one right above me. I would wrestle the 120. And then either the 132 or the 116 or whatever. Okay, and, so let me ask you guys, since we're all, we're all jiu-jitsu athletes here, or grappling athletes, I'll use it very, very broadly. It, it, just to your point, one thing that's in the wrestling room is you have a consistent training partner. Exactly. One person you always, one or two people you always train with your size, right? Does that make you a better or worse martial artist? As far as for your competition, it makes you better because you know what, what to expect. You know, that person's not going to be able to, like if I'm, and again, for context, I'm 130, 130 pounds. For context, if I roll with Yoga John, who's like shy of 300 pounds, like all, all yeah. <laughs> yeah. you he are is, about to get he is bulking. Like he he, he wait, fully admits wait, he's bulking. John, yes, I'm true. sorry, but Rumsey, John Rumsey. I'm, I'm, John's, just, I'm yeah. just saying because you're so jacked, man. <laughs> but like, and nothing on a pound. The like, most terrifying nice guy on the face. Oh yeah, of exactly. Actually, so, that might be Jeremiah. Not, I want to have him on the podcast. Oh yeah, yeah. He's he, not he, like a flabby person. He's like jacked. No, oh, so, yes. So if I'm going with him, I'm doing things slightly different. Whereas if I'm going with uh, David. Chihuahua may got you know yeah, yeah. watch over him in Colombia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. So I'm is doing he still alive? 
Yeah, he is. Okay, good. So. Well, good for him. I, I, um, I'm going to do different things. You know, I'm not going to shoot for. But, but training you know, with which is going to make you a better person, equipped to defend yourself on the street. Which just depends on where you, what you're doing for. If, if I want to do as far as for defending myself on the street, I would want to go with John. There's Alexia. Oh my God, I just did it too. Alexia, I just called you Alexi. Does Alexia need to train with every guy on the mat, or only train with Amanda? Well, well that's the thing. I feel like training with someone like Amanda allows me to refine the techniques better. Like, if someone's twice my size, which I feel like most people are here. Yeah, I mean, your dog is hard, about your weight you class know? right now. So, But that's part of the reason why I'll roll with anyone. Like, I'm really not too afraid to, like... To how how long training. did it take you, just out of curiosity? How long have you been training now? A little over a year. How long did it take you to become comfortable with the idea, especially a, a slight female, to become comfortable with the idea of rolling basically with anybody on the mat? Well, that's what's good about this gym is that they ease you into it. You know, ATT Orlando, yeah, located right? at 9318 East Colonial Drive. <laughs> yeah. 407 9380 It's because really. I, I wasn't just thrown. Hey, I'm staff now. I'm supposed to that's do that. That's not it, really. <laughs> I wasn't just thrown into the lion's den. You know, um, we start off with Victor. You know, who's who's good at going with new people. Um, and, then, and Chris Vu. Yes, and Chris, you, and then... Check us out on the website. Meet the team. <laughs> like, you just... They didn't just throw me with brand new white belt guys who don't know what they're doing. Whereas in a wrestling room, that oh, might yeah. happen, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, we have a... One of my... Another good friend of mine, he got... In his first year, he got just thrown to the wolves. And uh, for me, yeah, it was... You just... Because there's no really uh, that person whose job is to go with the new people, to ism in. There's no that person. So you just have to... I mean, honestly, the the one of the first things that I was told is they asked me, and it was it was I thought it was funny because um, Coach Paul says something similar. He was like, "Do you have any brothers or cousins or anything? And do you guys ever play wrestle? Well, that's what we're doing. Just 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 do whatever you just do whatever feels right." That's and a that's, really good way of get, okay. And that's something that that uh, they tell you because it's very hard to explain the concept of grappling if you've never done it. But if you teach somebody the hierarchy of positions, they always have a roadmap of where to go. And that's and roll that's, your eyes all you want. And, Ryan. That, and that's jujitsu, and that's great, you know. But uh, it's very when you have a 14-year-old high school freshman that just wants to that saw a UFC fight and thought it was cool and is coming to the wrestling room. How do you explain to him? All right, don't go belly up because you're going to get pinned. He's like, what? So you just tell him, or I was just told, just, just, just fight, but don't punch. Just okay, fight. so so that's, that's kind of what question for everybody. lead on. Mm. Question for everybody. Starting with Ryan, since he's our premier guest right now. I'm, I'm going to sort of play off the, the Wagner Rocha thing, right? Like, Wagner Rocha right now is sort of this... Is he kind of trolling? I, I can't tell whether he's trolling I or have not. no idea what you're talking about Are right you serious? Now. Okay. So Wagner Rocha's thing right now is he's, he's on this sort of, like, mission to make... Um, just to name drop Wade Rome a little bit, make jujitsu nasty again, mm. right? Like, and it's and so he's it, doing it, all Nick Paul stuff. <laughs> uh, I mean, without the pinching and the eye gouging and the and the what else does he do? That's Dick. I hate you, Nick. <laughs> um, I love. I do love training with Nick. Nice. And and the th- and the rape chokes and stuff. Oh yeah. But so like so, <laughs> Wagner Rocha's. He's like the whole idea of. Um, jiu-jitsu is for everybody or whatever the hell that, that hashtag is jiu-jitsu is for everyone or wait, is that legit or not legit or does it because I feel as though is it the fault of the system or is it the fault of the coaches or is it the fault of the student that if you go back to the old school way of jiu-jitsu not being for everybody predicating on the idea of somebody being tough athletic or whatever 
of jujitsu is meant for fighting, that weeds out a lot of people, right? Like because not everybody's mentally prepared for just hard training. Like attrition rates go up the roof, like to a wrestling rate. So is jujitsu for everybody or is jujitsu not for everybody? Uh, Ryan. I think it's not. Just because... Oh, how not, dare you? I really do. Just because... I'll, I'll side with the Gracies a little bit on this as far as you don't have to be strong. You don't have to be fast. You don't have to be athletic. <clears throat> but I was at a, a catch wrestling seminar uh, a little bit ago with uh, Joel Bain and uh, Kenny Lester. There we people. Drop it. Who, uh, Congratulations, Kenny, on your black belt. And Joel Bain is one of ours, actually. He trains uh, people over at uh, ATT Tampa, so he's one of ours. And I said, half-jokingly, I said, does anybody remember when you had to be tough to do this? Oh, uh, why would you say that? And he agreed with me. Uh, he, of course, he's a military guy, because uh, I think that's one of the few prerequisites you have to have. You don't have to be big, strong, anything like that. If you don't have some kind of mental toughness, I don't know why you're coming in the door. So why do you... Well, okay, so the idea of martial arts in general, right? Like, just coming from a traditional martial arts background. The idea of martial arts is to try to take... And just to quote Hicks and Gracie, you know, he takes the, 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 the tough guy and makes him a superhuman and takes the weak person and makes him strong or tough, whatever the case mm. is, right? Like, you should be able to level up from jujitsu. Mm. How do you take somebody who's an absolute just skin whip and make them tough if they can't last day one or two? So that's where I think jujitsu is, is still a young sport because I think we would have figured that out. I think right now the the default mindset is well especially going on the stories you guys have told me back in the early 2000s late 90s it was like people just beating the fuck out of each other my, you know okay what I mean? so for, for, for the uh for, for reference my first class was uh fabian reyes and jensen vega mm-hmm. who are both black belts now love those I, guys I love the awesome guys <laughs> it was me and my buddy who prior to had been doing Fight Club using techniques we learned from Master Jiu-Jitsu by Henzo Gracie, we, we joined the, the gym, and the first technique we learned, not anything else, we ran around in a circle for fucking 15 minutes, whatever the hell they do at Gracie Baja, and then, <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It, 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 there are many correct ways of doing things. Um, uh, <laughs> the first technique we learned without anything, no prior training, was a cartwheel guard pass. Hmm. A cartwheel guard pass. Is that the best way to retain a student? No. Hmm. Clearly no. <laughs> right? So, like, <laughs> there have to be ways, and, and given time, right, and given pragmatism, that we should be able to refine teaching techniques mm-hmm. where a weak person should be able to join and stay, stick with it and become tougher. And So, I want to say this. I think that... that that jujitsu can mature to the point where a in in this utopia future a lot of people can go into a jujitsu gym and be onboarded in a safe fun way where they where they get into it yeah but like anything you can't expect everyone to like it and there's a certain amount of physicality that you cannot eliminate from jujitsu so you can't um I'm just going to say it because I'm probably a little tipsy now. You can't sissify jujitsu. Oh, boo. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. I mean, I'm, I'm saying it because I'm on the- Fist bump, Noah. Fist bump. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the thing. It's like there's some physicality. You have to be comfortable with um, having your personal space violently invaded. You know what I mean? That's just the reality of jujitsu. That's the reality of any grappling. You know what I mean? But I think the people that – I think that can cater to a larger audience than – 
one would think. And whether or not that's something you want to do uh, from a sport aspect competitively and compete or if you just want it from self-defense, something that I want to do that I haven't done yet. And, and I get harassed by my friends Carl and, and AJ about this. It's like, I got to do Muay Thai. Well, I yes. will do Muay Thai eventually. And the you biggest, re- the clinch, the biggest the reason is this, is because I want to remove the flinch that happens when someone throws a punch at me. If someone okay. throws a punch at me, I flinch. Do we need to make jujitsu nasty again? Then is do we need to do like a combat jujitsu to keep ourselves honest? Wait, wait, wait. So before before we move on to that, let me ask you: Did any of you re- read that thing that uh, has been bumping around the web about um, um, the the whole John Jack Machado celebrity BJJ system? Oh yeah, read that. So I, I, I yeah. 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 Ryan and I have very strong opinions. I did I, not yeah. read it, but that goes to your point. Like, do you is that? Is that cool? Like, I don't, well, I don't know because okay. I didn't read it. But so, can you just explain real quick what I, that is? Because I'm not familiar with it. Yeah, yeah, please, it. please, please well, I, elaborate. I didn't really read it. I just, because I was just scrolling through Facebook. But it said basically, and what I imagine it is, is it, I, said I think that it was Hegan or was it, it John Jock? I'm not sure. But it said uh, um, Ashton Kutcher got promoted yeah, to Brown Belt. And he's under this program no, that uh, one of the Hegan? Machados has that um, is specifically for people who have uh, camera um, obligations, so they can't just be like beat up or anything. So you can't really have cauliflower ear if you're an actor, you know. So he has the system. I'm not sure what it what it entails. A system he, yeah. to avoid cauliflower ear? Not cauliflower ear specifically, but to avoid things that may uh, just ruin your camera obligations. Then you whatnot. then then it's the obligation. It's the it's the Onus on the practitioner to get headgear. Yeah, that, that, I agree with that. I, I don't really, I didn't really read it, but I. Well, I take it what, what they're trying to get rid of too is because it's not just cauliflower ears; it's it's abrasions to the face. Yeah, and all it seems like that. Yeah, yeah, just just that's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, no. okay, cauliflower was like an was like an an example. So is that I I think from what I from the very little that I read, I don't think that's cool because again, eh, uh, I don't even think that's cool. I'm think the, cool. I'm the pussiest guy at the gym, right? I, I don't think that's cool because I, I I openly challenge Ashton Kutcher to a match. I did so in our text message stream yesterday. Yes, yes. Um, and 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 Ryan by by actually hates Ashton Kutcher. Jesus. I'm not fond. No, he's he's irritated me for a long time. I, I, now for the uh, for the record, I was a fan of uh, of the '70s show. So this is going back to like 1998. The first time I saw him on on camera. Uh, I, like I also clarified, I think he's probably a really nice guy. He does a lot of great charitable things and stuff. He fights human trafficking and all that. Oh, but without uh, sparring, I don't. No, I disagree one hundred percent. I really don't don't care for the guy overall. So, and and that's the thing, right? So like, and and I'll have to we'll have to bring Paul in about this later on. So there's this. Um, just going back to Noah's point, the sort of like idea of elitism within jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, that I've 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 personally witnessed somebody. I, I'm I'm doing air quotes, mind you, earning a black belt, only doing private lessons with the head instructor. I heard about this, yeah. And you I, you have heard about this? I've heard about this. Yeah. Oh, good okay. If, actually, is it is the conversation that I were think you the same person? I think it's the same. Okay, the same so I, like it was around when I was a white belt. Uh-huh. Paul was a purple belt. Maybe just earning his brown belt. And we both witnessed a guy literally earn his black belt, never taking one group class. And I don't think that's cool. I mean, I, I, will, I will tell you that um, when we, and I, I just really just received a call today about this, when somebody, when a parent calls me and, and wa- wonders about the kids program, 
uh, self-defense stuff, the first thing we tell them is that breaking boards is cool and, you know, doing uh, katas in the air. They don't hit that, back. That looks cool, but that doesn't hit back, you know. And then what we keep very honest is the realism that you have somebody struggling back against you. And that's what we that's what we um, kind of sell as a very reliable self-defense system to our kids, which I think is more important that they know self-defense than anybody else, mm-hmm. to our kids. And if you're not being honest and you're not being loyal to that, then you just lose the very kind of... I'm gonna get dramatic for a second. The very essence, thank you, of the of jujitsu, you know. And I don't think you have to be, you're going back. You don't have to be. You don't have to have monsters. You don't have to have Atos competition team, but you have to have that. We don't hate of, you, Atos. By we don't way. hate you. At, well, nah. we, that was uh, Victor who said that. Not, <laughs> not Chris. I'm just kidding. But you have. You do have to have that aspect of physicality to it. Otherwise, it's just a lie. Otherwise, it just turns into into you're just doing forms in the air and that. Mm-hmm. That that's useless. And know? that's the thing, right? Like, because I feel as though right now, and just going back to the whole catch wrestling, like sort of pay your dues sort of thing, there's a certain amount of like survivor bias that's involved, right? Like, just mm-hmm. the toughest survive. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would argue that given better coaching methods, given better training methods, that you can bring anybody to a high level of jujitsu or grappling. It's just it a big part of it is sort of like eliminating the traditional you just got to learn to tough it out sort of like training but, but don't you agree with what ryan said about you have to have it doesn't matter because men, mental toughness is not about physical toughness and that doesn't depend on size but don't you agree with the fact that you have to have certain amount of of, of fortitude in your mind to endure because you have to endure being mounted being in side control being having a shoulder on your face and that's something that I feel like a lot of people... That's not inherent, but it, I feel as though that's, that's, that's learned. That's not... Yeah. Like, you have to be... You have to come to grips with being in uncomfortable positions. Exactly. And over time, as you get better, you won't be in those positions as much. But, I mean... I, I, like, what, how can you learn jujitsu? Here, here's my thing. I, I honestly can't understand how you can protect someone from being mounted and having your opponent's sternum smashing your face for three minutes before, you know, waiting for time to expire. Like, that's, you know, they talk about jujitsu humbling people. And the funny thing is, for me, like, I've never, uh, you know, I don't know if it was my upbringing or this or that. Like, I've been very, you know, I'm very, I think, consider myself very lucky. So it's like, none of this stuff seemed like, Oh, you know, you, you get to learn how to overcome adversity. Like, people use all these weird... And I, I, for me, personally, I call them weird. They might be very meaningful to other people. But to me, jiu-jitsu is just... It's a martial art. It's, it's, it's a skill. It can be a sport. Um, it's an athletic endeavor. Um, it's not this... Um, it's, yes, it makes me more confident, but it's not this thing that, like, shattered, like, broke through. Like, suddenly I have this confidence now that I never had before. Like, I was I was doing okay before jujitsu. I'm going to do fine after jujitsu. You know what I mean? Nature and nurture, though, right? Like, yeah. How much my, of it is... Yeah, sorry, no, no, but here's my thing with jujitsu. It's like, you have to, like, be in shitty position in jujitsu. Like, you have to recognize that, like, mm-hmm. just, like, I, like, there's a guy, like, Ryan Wilkerson. I'm going to roll with Ryan Wilkerson. And he's going to smash my ass until I get good enough to defend myself and to frame myself. And there's nothing wrong with that. But there's no way, in my opinion, that you can protect a young student from feeling that discomfort. The reality of the situation is, 
if you've taken a week of jujitsu class, you're probably not going to defend yourself in the street. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And you have to understand that these are the consequences. And these guys, mind you, are not trying to bash your face in. So I think there has to be some – like there's a reality check here. It's like, you know what? In the real world, people will try to hurt you. I'm not saying we're in this like apocalyptic – you know, like, you know, like Mad Max scenario. But what I'm saying is it's like you can't hide someone from the reality of this is a combat Absolutely. sport. Absolutely. That's the thing I want to say. But this is a combat sport. You cannot say jiu-jitsu is not a right? combat sport. If we want to argue that, that's a different thing. But if jiu-jitsu is a combat sport, part of combat is getting hurt or being very, very uncomfortable. And yeah, you, need to, you need to understand that. Mm-hmm. But, but I, I feel as though, first off, I, I've, it's my idealism, right? Is that everybody can learn jujitsu? Everybody can become good at jujitsu, regardless of their mental condition, regardless of their toughness, regardless of their inherent sort of um, uh, strengths and weaknesses. It's the duty, responsibility of the coach to help everybody. Uh, of course, a big part of it is desire on the student's end to want to become tougher, but the idea of yeah, you do, you definitely do have to come to realities with the idea of getting smashed, right? Like, but like, how to teach somebody how to get smashed is not to smash them right off the bat, right? Like, you don't teach somebody how to bench press properly by just sticking two twenty five on the bar and having them bench press, right? It's all about progressive resistance. It's you have to learn the technique first and then add resistance to it and drill it before you can become good at it, right? Like, as with all positions, whether it's escape, submissions, you know, transitions. And you can't do that by making somebody uncomfortable right off the bat. You have to ease everybody into it. I okay, so I, I, I disagree with you on that. You, really? I How disagree with you on that. I disagree with you yes. on that. Because, Elaborate. So, so one, one issue is the safeness of training partners. Okay. Okay. If a training partner is a dick and bullying, that's 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 a totally different story. So let's let, let's just agree here that we're differentiating between a mat bully and someone that's just superior and on top and and inside control on a new person. Okay. okay. The in terms of my jujitsu progression, and I think this is the logical thing that's going to happen to most people until we come up with a better way to introduce jujitsu to completely new students. What was the position I was in 95% of the time when I was a white belt? Side a control. side control bottom. Yes. Okay. What was the first thing I got good at doing in, in jiu-jitsu? Getting my frames. What was the next thing I got good at? Getting the frame onto the bicep. Then they would go to position one. So position one for you guys would be... Um, Head what? and arm, right? No, no it would be... Uh, not, not reverse judo. Ju- uh, judo. Yeah. So we call it. So in our gym, we call it uh, side control one. People yeah. call it one. Modified you know, case pounds. Katami, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's case of katami. Case yeah. of You're in case of katami. Okay. So then I went into that position. This was like a month in, and I went to pause. Like, okay, I was getting my phrase, but then they went to this. Now what do I do? And then he showed me how do you get out of that. So for me, what was great about that is it focused my jujitsu to one single problem. I was in the same problem every day. Side control bottom. I would slowly progressed through getting better at that and then I got as we say side control one Katami, and then it was like oh now I could escape that's how I learned so like w- you get confronted it's almost like when I learned Spanish it was like what was the thing I got good at when I learned Spanish for the first time and I learned Spanish 
you know, in my 20s, not when I was young. It was, how do I say my name? How old I am? What did I do before? What am I doing now? Because that was the thing everyone asked me. When you introduce yourself, like, what's my name? This is what I do. This is where I came from. That's what I got doing about it. If I had to explain what did I dream about last night, I had no fucking idea how to explain that in Spanish. But you get good at what you're confronted with frequently. Okay, and so how do you get good at, for example, and not to, not to disparage catch wrestling or whatever it is. Yeah. How do you get good at submission from everywhere? I safely think, and for the non-tough person coming off the street. So for uh, Alexia, who's who's a hundred. So I, I, me personally, I would say. How do you say, get good at that? So again, this is the, this is the two years of experience talking, and and in another two years, I might completely change my opinion. But to me, I think it's a matter of you have to get proficient. You're defending yourself and not being completely mauled first, and then over time, jujitsu becomes a lot more fun. It's, it's becoming more fun for me because I'm spending not ninety first. 5% of my time in shitty positions. I'm spending less percentage of my time in shitty positions, and I'm able to practice some offense. You let know me what I mean? You, let me ask you uh, something that you said at the beginning. How can you? How can a new person out of the street, out of the just brand new white belt, no experience or anything, how can you tell the difference between a mad bully and superior? Like you said. Ooh, we're getting you into said, the, the, you to said, the unspoken rules of jujitsu. Okay. Wait, no, wait, wait. You said, you said that uh, not being a mad bully, but how can I tell if, I'm not, if I didn't wrestle, I didn't do anything, I come here and this guy, this blue belt, is just mauling me. He's in mound. He triangled me about five times. He cross-choked me a bunch of things. Ryan's about to. How yeah. can you tell? Oh, let's hear his opinion. Then the I'll difference my, between a the pacifist and the and the optimist or whatever the term is. <laughs> whatever that fucking somebody podcast who, is. And somebody who's just being superior and teaching you the ways of jujitsu. How can you tell? Are you familiar with what a bro is? I, I, I am. <laughs> I, I am. Yeah. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. Because if on. the guy walks into the gym and you can tell he's a bro, he's probably going to be a Matt bully because uh, there's just way too much ego on his part and all okay, that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, that sometimes there's a tell and stuff. The guy's walking with like certain kind of sunglasses, his hat's on backwards, and all that kind of crap. Uh, he thinks a little too much of himself, right off the bat, you can tell that sort of thing. Sometimes okay. the guys are covert, though. You're right. So let's put it in the reverse position, though, right? Like, and so this guy's a bro. He's coming off the street. Um, how do you teach him jujitsu? Like, like, how do you, like, you who don't, do you stick with him first? You don't. You stick him with and, me. And how do you onboard him properly? No, you water. Not destroy his ego. You waterboard him properly. <laughs> well, well, Alexia, Alexia just said a really good point. You, you use the humbling characteristic of jujitsu. you know? You can. Right? Okay, so do you. Because that person is not the. You make the him cry for his mother. <laughs> or do you? Yeah. Or do you? But, yes, you do. If he doesn't let go of that ego, he's not going to make it very far. Right. Agreed. One hundred percent. Right. Like, and that's a big part and of he, like the know, toughening if he's process. Like, oh, I got smashed. I thought I was so strong. You know, I go. You know, I've gone with new white belts. I've gone with the bros that come in. I don't know. Somehow, I end up with them. And you know, I'm this. That's good, who, I'm this, how does that happen? <laughs> it's Instructor happened. Jamie. It's happened. Oh, oh. Shots fired, Jamie. <laughs> like, is that is that, is that who is teaching class? <laughs> I know it was. No comment. No sure. comment. Um, I respect all my instructors. <laughs> but I'm a higher rank. I could say that. So, <laughs> Jamie, I'm calling you out right now. Sticking Alex, poor Alexia with the new bro. Come on, man. Well, that's yeah, the thing. Go on. Go on, go on. You know, they're brand new and. I've only been training a year, but still, that's significant when you're going with oh, someone, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. someone brand new, and they see me, and I've heard the comments, they'll sit down with me, they'll the third class, they'll look at me, they'll be like, I'll go easy on you, don't worry, and I'm like, okay, I was going to let you work, but now you're not. But okay, it's so, so this is the question, now, now we got to, and now, well, I, now I, 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 I
before we roll, there's, you know, we roll, and then after, when they're all out of breath, and their face is all red, and they're sweating all over me, and I'm just like, I just sit there, and they say, wow, you're stronger than you look, and wow, and I'm like, I'm not, thank you, but I just sit there and look at them, I give them the fist bump, I give them the respect that they didn't give to me in the beginning, I had to earn their respect, before every roll, it doesn't, even if I have more stripes, even if they're brand new, just because of how I look, you know, they automatically think, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be fun, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to ragdoll her, like, I took two classes, I know, I know how to get her back, and then they end up not doing I, that. I, I watch UFC. So that, <laughs> that, right, so that is, I'm happy to provide, uh, like, knocking them down a little bit with their ego. So, so like that's and okay, that's, that's fucking awesome. That's awesome, like, but yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I and think that's, that's the ideal, right? Awesome. Because like that's exactly. truly the weaker, stronger, or the weaker. So you know, less there's like you know two ways to go about it. You can get smashed by you know a brown belt or a higher belt, or you can just pair them with a hundred pound little Asian girl. Okay, so and like, <laughs> so how do you onboard somebody, right? Like, how do you like because ultimately we run a business, right? And there's there's Ryan's way, which is what. Mm. Well, I've struggled with that for a long time. I don't. I've talked about it with with, with Jim Andrews quite a bit, because I don't believe in coddling people, but because Boo. it is, I don't. Uh, however, I don't. I know that you got to keep the doors open and the lights on, so you can't Absolutely. you That's can't exclude everybody. So I don't know where the sweet spot is. I honestly don't. So so let, let, let's, let's. I've been dying to ask this for the last twenty minutes, but I haven't had a chance to because this is like the question. I think anytime we have a female in this conversation, we have to bring it up because it's so important. How? From a male perspective, so I'm going to start with, let's have the males answer, and then we'll have Alexia like educate us properly on this. And let's start with lowest belt, lowest belt, <laughs> male first. <laughs> it's like, oops, sorry. males rolling with females. What is your, what, what, lowest, who's the lowest belt male? That would be me. Okay, well, your perspective first. <laughs> that would be me, that would be me. Um, like, what's the mindset, what's appropriate, you know, is there a change in mindset at all? Because this is something that, that is talked about, okay? Me, personally, I don't change the way I roll. Regardless of size? Regardless of ability? I, I roll with... Now, I will say this. Heather thanks you, by the no, way. No, 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 no. But, but there's, something, there's something to this. When I roll, most of the time, I don't roll in class um, with a competition mindset. I roll because I'm trying to practice a technique, mm -hmm. okay? So, if we're, we've been working on 50-50 escapes... Um, before that, we're working on lasso guard. Lasso guard is something I can funnel into a little more easily than a 50-50. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so regardless if I'm rolling with a female or a male, regardless of the size differential, whether they're male or female, um, I'm probably going to try and work lasso guard. There are some days where I'm high energy and I feel like just going. Those are the pojada days, as we say. And I'll usually save those for like uh, a randori if we have a randori. So when I, when I roll with a female, I don't really change the way I roll. But I will say this. Do you scale it back strength-wise and strength wise and intensity-wise? I never try to muscle anything, but I try not to muscle anything with anybody. You know what I mean? I'm not trying to muscle. Like, to me, I think muscling, a move, the rule. muscling a move with anybody. Now, obviously, if I'm going with a guy that's bigger than me, most of my movements are going to involve more muscling because they're just stronger. Just to match match energy, right? Yeah, kind of thing. But I'm not trying to. I'm not. Try, I'm trying to use technique. I'm not trying to. Oh, I can. You, you know, I can just grab. I can move your hand physically. There's no jujitsu leverage here. I'm just using brute strength to move body parts. I'm not trying to do that. But I will say this. Um, 
in my mind, and this is where I'm, I, whether it's politically incorrect or not, it's like, I'd re- you know, in a way, sometimes I might feel I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. Like, if I roll light with a female, I'll get criticized for why are you rolling light with a female. If I'm rolling hard with a female, I'll get why are you bullying a female. So I'd much rather just go, I'm going to roll with you the same way I roll with anyone else. And if that comes across as bu- bullying, I'd rather be criticized for that. So that's been my approach to things. And like I said, I'm, we're interested when Alexia actually chimes yeah, yeah, in yeah, okay. on this. Yeah. And Victor, you're next. Because actually, up. Victor's the pro here. Victor is an assistant coach at the gym, and he gets to roll with everybody, females and males included. Well, as far as my, my side of things, I, would, I really look on who am I going with, and what's the skill level, and what's the intensity level, and what's the goal of that person. So when I go with Michelle, mom, mom Michelle, I know her goal is not to become ADCC champ, you know? I know her goal is to come in here and then have a, have a good time, have a, have a good workout in, and learn some cool stuff, you know? Also, Mom Michelle to go on a street fight, not very high. So I match the intensity that she gives me, and I go into the positions that I understand that she's comfortable with, you know? Um, so that's because that's, that's how I do with the new people, and that's how I do with with most yeah most most of most my my peers that are underneath me in skill level and, and experience um i just try to match what they're doing and trying to put myself in the positions that they're comfortable with i but i know i don't let them just choke me and ragdoll me i i kind of show some defense but um at the end of the day i i try to work on on my different skills, for example, when I roll with Amanda, Amanda, she always try to go and do a loop choke or a bow and arrow. So my 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 main focus is to defend those things and and move and see how she moves. And then depending on how she moves, then I will I will give something back after that. Because I think that, it, my personal opinion, I think that gives her uh, a little more work. So how uh, somebody would react without exploding too much and potentially getting an injury, and uh, that gives me. Gives myself some work because I'm actively protecting my neck and not just kind of flexing my shoulders and just kind of taking it. You know, I'm 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 working. I'm actively working to defend what she's doing. Um, and yeah, well, no, that's kind that's kind of my approach have been with with females and and for that matter, anybody who again, like I said, um, is underneath me in like experience and skill level. Carl, you haven't said much. What is your your next up? What is Carl, your? You're gonna have to come really close. Yeah, to you're the mic. gonna have to. I'm gonna have to move the mic a hair. What is, oh, you're, okay, well, we'll thanks, thanks, Carl. Go ahead and use that mic. You know, um, I would really just say you're, you're looking to match energy, um, but again, that's what you would do with most people, as uh, some of these guys have said. Talk into the mic. Yeah, so like I said, I, I would say you would uh, look to match energy with, uh, with your training partner. All right, okay, so, and, and I'm next. So I'm, uh, Carl's purple, I'm brown. I I think because I have the responsibility as an instructor, I have to match energy, and I can't just like bully my way through things. Yes, right? that's that's something that I was gonna say. Yeah, so like it's it's my responsibility to provide a comfortable learning environment for all students, whether they're male or female. And you do have the no injury guarantee as well. I do have the no injury guarantee, uh, Jamie. Um, <laughs> Man, the, the callouts are. I've strong. made some people puke. But I've not made anybody, but where nobody's injured, right? Like ego, a little bit. Cardio, a little bit. Actual joint injuries, zero. Um, so I, 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 
is it chauvinistic to say that in general men are stronger physically than women right so like i i will always match energy regardless i i don't discriminate and and like i have to be mindful of the because because like we we've already mentioned jujitsu is a very intimate like by definition sort of like activity right like you're you're in everybody's like private quarters I have to be mindful, and, and I don't know if other people do this, but, like, the idea of, you know, one of the, the posture, to maintain posture in closed guard is to, like, literally take your fist and just jam it into somebody's chest, right? Like, because just society and culture dictates that that's sort of, like, a private area for women but not for men. I don't do that for women, right? Like, I find different, like, I stick my hands in their armpits and stuff to try to get my posture. Um, I definitely roll differently with women than men. It's just because I have to keep those things in mind because, like, the last thing we need is some sort of fucking Me Too, like, lawsuit for the gym, okay, right? but you know what? I'm going to come out and say it. I, I don't. I don't. I, like, as, as insensitive as this might sound to some people, I don't, I don't give a crap. Like, I, like, here's the thing. I look at it from the perspective of how I would want to be treated. And not if I want to be treated as a woman. Just be treated as a person that has less experience than someone going going with someone else like but i think no no no, 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 no but here's the thing yeah, yeah. here's the thing here's the thing it's like like i don't want to i don't like nothing frustrates me personally more than when i feel when when some when a higher belt mounts me and then they roll the closed guard that's just i feel like i feel like i'm like look you're better than me i accept that let me try and work out of this don't don't let up on me like, the reality of the situation is there's a disparity in level. Me as a student, I want to close that gap. That's how my mentality is. So I don't, I don't like that. So that's why I don't, I don't, like, I'm trying to, people talk about, like, oh, guys don't want to, uh, guys have an ego about tapping women. I have an ego tapping to anybody. It's not, it's, it's not men no, or women. No, yeah, it's like, yeah, I don't want to lose, you know. But, you know, if someone has me, I want to tap. So I'm going to go with anyone regardless. So... From an intensity point of view, obviously, that, that to me is etiquette, where it's like, there's some people that are, are flowy, there's some people that, you know, have that wrestling mentality, they go hard, that, I get that. But in terms of, you know, do I change the way I roll based on someone? Do I avoid certain areas? Absolutely not. Like, I went with Rakaia, and, and I love Rakaia, and, and she would be the first one. We talked about this. I went with Rakaia. She was a blue belt at the time. I was just she, started. she still is a blue belt. Yeah, she mounted me, and her chest was in my face the entire time, and I was like, "Wow, this is jujitsu!" Like, but that's just... the the onus is on her, right? Like, well, but, but, but it's point, not your responsibility my, to move your face away from her breast because like, she's putting it there. Why is it such a big deal? Like, I'm not trying to cop a feel. I'm not trying to motorboat her. No, like, I'm, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? like we're rolling, right? right? No, no, and she's and, actually and that's, kicking my and ass. That's the understanding, right? Because like, I think a big part of it is, and, and maybe I'm speaking at a turn. I'm I'm not a woman, right? Like, I'm speaking from a male's Clearly. perspective of. A woman's I, I'm I'm trying to place myself in their shoes. In general, a woman coming off the street and, and mind you, I'm I'm not speaking for higher belts, because I think at like a three, four stripe white belt, you a woman should come to the understanding of, of you, Noah, where like it's just jujitsu is jujitsu, technique is technique, it's not copying a field, it's just doing good technique. But as an instructor, as a senior belt when going with somebody who's like a day one white belt, I'm not doing that. Just because like the last thing I need 
is but that's because it's a day one white belt it has nothing to do with what no, no, no agreed agreed right okay. Be- and and I, I honestly i don't have breath i mean i guess we all have breasts but i don't have like <laughs> but but like <laughs> but like i don't have like mammary gl- glands i can't speak for whether or not it's more sensitive on me than on lexia on rokai right so like i just know like i can't get i i prefer not to get kicked in the nuts Right, like so, I prefer that people don't do like fucking knee cut guard pass, like where they just slam their knee down on my balls. Yeah, right. Like, and just as like as a courteous training partner, I try not to just punch a woman in the chest because, from my understanding, but would you punch a man in the chest? Oh, are you gonna do this? I am gonna do this because that's what that's what we're talking about here. So, I, I, so hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. So I mean, hang on. Alexia's and, and, been sitting yeah, here. I know Brian speak. hasn't talked, but Alexia, you've been listening to dudes talk. No, 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 no. Alexia, it's I'll your floor speak. now. Let her speak. Maybe, yeah. Okay, go ahead. It's been long enough. Speak okay. into the mic and, and let us <laughs> educate us. Well, first and foremost, it's respect. Respect is the number one thing here. And it doesn't matter if you're male or female. It's, you know, the fact that you're saying you wouldn't roll any differently maybe you're not doing it consciously like but unconsciously or subconsciously you're not unconsciously subconsciously i do believe like i feel a difference when i'm rolling with a man versus you know a female training partner um because you know when you you have breasts, and yes, it hurts when they get punched. Which it is hurts. why I'm not going to do exactly. that, right? Like that, That's a dick move, pushed, right? You know, but that doesn't stop me from, say, like, doing the knee shield on, like, Amanda or any other, you know. But you're just being more conscious of it. And that's not degrading. That's not saying, oh, I'm going easier on you. I'm not going to do xyz uh frame on you because of that that's just being respectful right right and that's that's just from my perspective too like there's a reason why and and this is purely this is chris vu not anybody else i don't knee cut guard pass because i'm afraid of kneeing other people in the balls exactly so that's like like legit i i i forego one one third of a guard passing game because i don't want to knee my training partners in the balls well let me just make a comment about that i feel like when yeah, being being conscious of everything, but I feel like if you're conscious enough and you have a a, a, a technique that is complete enough, which I'm I'm sure you have, Chris. I'm sure you have superb knee cut guard pass, and I'm, I'm I bad. don't. <laughs> I, I, my my guard my, my knee cut is terrible. Well, I'm just saying, but uh, but I think that once that consciousness comes into place, you can and you under you understanding with your training partner that this is a grappling art, and you might get some like nicks and bruises here and there. Obviously, it's not ideal, but that's kind of... Um, I mean, I, I get it. It's on me at that point, right? Like, I'm shortchanging myself. Like, yeah, I, I understand it completely, right? Which is why I try to strengthen other parts of my game. Which is also why... I don't know. Like, maybe... It's, Let Alexia speak. Yeah, yeah. Like, sorry, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Go to ahead. me, it's the biggest disrespect if someone doesn't even try to make an effort to be conscious of it. Um, especially Noah. with chest stuff. Noah. <laughs> like... like because you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't need your male training partner in the balls. Like it's you, you know. Why, why? Would that said, you... I don't knee cut women. I, you know, I'm just a courteous person. Exactly. So why would you do something that's like that would like okay. hurt a so, woman? So let's let's speak in, in in specificity here. Cite examples where I've been um, 
whatever the term, disrespectful. Um, Where you've harmed not, 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 not. Have, have there been roles with you and I? I don't, I don't care. Like I'm not going to be offended by this. Where I have, where I could have done a better job as a training partner. Well, that's the thing. That's why well, that I think last class you where say you, you know, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Ow. You say you don't like roll they, differently, they but that I'm saying subconsciously, I think you do because it's you like haven't. Better you haven't actually like hurt me in that way so i feel like subconsciously you you are avoiding certain areas which is respectful i'm not saying you're being disrespectful it's quite the opposite wow. <laughs> i'm tearing up over here right. no so i think um so here's what i'll say she says subconscious i think that goes to what chris said which is when you roll, there's common etiquette when it comes to certain things. Like, no one's trying to knee cut anyone through the balls, okay? Like, honestly, like, no one's trying I think to. Some people do, though. That's the thing. No, okay. No, 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 no. Well, here's what's going through my mind, okay? I'm not going to do techniques or do things that are going to endanger my partner's ability to train the next day. Regardless of the gender. Regardless of the gender. This is, this is just independent of that. It's like, if I'm in a competition, I'm going to cross-face the fuck out of someone. Like, I, I'm going I'm to go for the kill and win like, because I'm in a competition. But if I rolled like that every day, number one, no one would want to roll with me because I'm going to come off as a dick. Because at the end of the day, and this, this is my... Oh, boy. I'm going to name names now. Oh, I'm gonna here name we go. It's Noah's turn. But I, I told him, start the bit. When I got pissed at Jim, it was because Jim stacked past me but didn't pass. And he just kept stacking me and stacking me and stacking me until my back went. Mm. And I was like, now granted, it wasn't a serious thing. I was, I was affected by it by a week. I never missed training. I love Jim. Jim's an awesome guy, okay? And I went up to him the very next day. He's like, dude, one day I'm going to get you for that. For almost friendly because that's how I am. Okay, but the point is, is at that at, at some level, I felt like he violated the the the, the pact. No, yeah, the yeah, pact, yeah, which yeah, is agree. like I'm entrusting. If I roll with Chris, I'm entrusting Chris with my body. He's entrusting his body with me. If I roll with Ryan, it's the same thing. If Ryan catches me in a heel hook or a toe hold or anything like that, I'm trusting him that even if I'm trying to escape, he's not going to apply the ultimate breaking pressure to rip my shit. Because we're partners here. You know what I mean? Like, we're trying to get better. We're not trying to beat each other. It's not ADCC. I think that's an ego conversation, though. That's definitely an ego conversation. Like, if you have a, if you're, a, like, um, you're saying you, you, you've been here for a, for a few months, a few years or whatever, and then you get to know people and stuff like that, and you're competitive, and, and you don't want to tap, and you don't want to let go, that's, that's, that's what I'm saying. Let, but not, here's the thing, let go. It's not necessarily a, a malicious thing. It's just like an ego thing. And I, and, and I would say that, I'm, I'm on the other side of that. I don't. I'm. There's been made comments about that. I don't. I'm a late tapper. I'm a. I don't. I tap late to things, and that's again. And I. And <laughs> yeah, you're. You're also like not 35. But you have to wake up in the morning, and you can not have to warm up, right? So like. Yeah, but but. Just think and, about that in 15 years. And that's bad though. That that's bad. But what I'm saying is that that's absolutely my ego when I'm going with Noah because I know Noah and and I love Noah. But Noah you trust my, Noah. But I trust because you Noah. know that Noah's a good training partner. Yeah, but but is is what I'm saying. My point is with this whole thing is that my ego is like if Noah has me on like a guillotine, I'm gonna fight it a little bit. Which is fine. Which right? is fine. I mean, that's jujitsu, right? Exactly. Like, which which leads me to believe that um, that trust 
sometimes can be infringed not by malicious, not by somebody being malicious or me not liking you, but just by the fact that this is a competitive endeavor. You know, this is like you want to, you want to, even though you're not, you don't want to have a winning mentality, you do kind of want to win. You know, you want to be in top position, you want to get to the submission, you know, things like that. And and that's this is bad, but it's something that happens subconsciously because when you're in a in a role in a hard competitive role, you're not really thinking about I'm I'm not a winning mindset, not a winning mindset. I'm just here to get better. You're not thinking about it. you're thinking about getting to the top, getting to the passing the guard, things like that. Well, and Ryan, this goes Ryan. back to what what Ryan. I know, and we'll get Ryan. Okay. This is what we were talking about, Chris, the other day, like Ryan just yesterday, us. texting, which was, you know, when it comes to taps, I think, and I think this is only going to increase over time. In the two years that I've trained, I found that I care less about the tapping is whether I'm tapping the person or they're tapping me, it's less significant. Every, as I, the more I train, the less significant it is because I realized that any time that someone taps me, I'm immediately thinking in my head, I'm justifying it from an ego point of view. Like, well, I'm practicing. I was practicing this. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't doing my quote, A game, whatever that is. I don't even know what my A game is. But I wasn't like, I wasn't like on the mats trying to do ADCC trials, right? So it's like, well, they tapped me because I was experimenting. Well, when I tap someone else, I'm flexing like, oh, yeah, I'm the man. Well, no shit, man. They were probably practicing stuff too. So we can always justify, and this is what I texted you. Yeah. We can always justify the reasons for why a tap happened and why it wasn't legitimate. So... Just fucking experiment with stuff. Like I was, ex- I've been experimenting. If someone catches me in armbar, I want to let you crank it because I've been experimenting with late armbar escapes. And guess what? Ninety percent of the time, I want to tap because I'm not going to do it. But I'm practicing something because I'm trying to get better. And I think that's that's the thing when it comes to trusting your training partner. Is there are certain people that I won't try late armbar escapes with because I don't trust them. To apply the arm bar in a gradual manner when it's fully extended. And I'm trying to rotate and pronate and all this stuff to get out of it. If I go with someone that's going to rip that shit, I'm going to hurt myself. But I know that. So I have to roll differently. So I think that's where it comes from. The trust is, is look. But are, you, are we pussifying jujitsu? No, by- no, we're trying to get better. And we're putting ourselves in difficult situations, and we can't expect to succeed 100% at the very beginning. Agreed. So, but as a training partner, are just just from Ryan's perspective too, are we as as training methods evolve? By, it, in my opinion, being a good training partner, not ripping things, are we doing a disservice or service to our training partners? Ryan, wait, wait, Ryan, wait, Ryan, wait, Ryan, Ryan, no, no, Ryan, 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 Ooh. That's a that's a, that's a touchy subject, and it's it's it's. I don't think there's going to be any any universal opinion on it. Uh, I mean, because there's obviously people have different goals. Uh, some people are, are intentionally putting themselves in bad positions because they want to get better at them. Some people have things that uh, they know that they do well and they want to get even better at them, so they're practicing those all that kind of stuff. I think I heard Dylan Dennis say once that he. He'll get tapped like like a hundred times in, in a class. It was actually Gary Tonin. It, it was. I'm sorry. Yeah. That was Dylan Dan. Sorry. Uh, Gary Tonin. Good. Okay. okay. They, Everyone. No I'm one likes Dylan Dan yeah, right now. Come on. It actually sorry. probably was Dylan Dan. I just hate him so much that I'm know. saying it was Gary. I might Tonin. have misquoted. I'm sorry. But so, somebody that, that <laughs> I think it actually that's was a, Gary Tonin. That's remarkable to have that little of an ego and stuff because it doesn't matter who he's going with because uh, he's going to start in a bad position someplace he's not good at. Now I have been in spots where I know I've had somebody, and it's. The submission is is academic at this point. I know it's you know, I'm, I'm, and I've let go on purpose. They don't have to tap first and all this kind of stuff. I know I had it. They know I had it. All that kind of stuff. 
can that be interpreted as disrespectful just because I want to preserve somebody's health because I can't tell if they're gonna if they're gonna tap late or whatever it is? Is that disrespectful of me? That's why I don't. Think no, it's I don't think service. so. Yeah. I don't think it's. I, I think. I think the goal of and this is where I think the difference is between a competition mat and the training mat is when we're training, we're trying. The goal is to get better. What? What? Regardless of the belt, so. We got to experiment with stuff. We can't be in a safe space where we're always, quote, winning. So, and if you're going to try something new, chances are you're going to fail at it. So, mm-hmm. if you're trying something and you succeed, whether or not you, you get the submission, that's, like, I've actually, I've talked to Victor about this. It's like, what would it be like if we had a leg locks class? So, that our school... And, and this, it doesn't have to be leg locks. I think leg locks is a good example. We have a fundamentals program. So we have two gi classes and a no gi class. We just have a no gi class, all levels. We have a fundamentals gi class, and we have an intermediate advanced gi class. And then we can have our indoor and that sort of stuff. But we don't have a topic-specific class. Mm-hmm. We don't have a leg lock class. We did experiment with having a takedowns class. That didn't last too long. Probably Sadly, for the same, yeah, for the same, probably the same that. reasons that we talked about, where it's like people don't want to get thrown and take that. But that's, a, I digress on that. So when it came to leg locks, it's like if we had a leg locks class, you know, does it, and people are catching people in heel hooks and they're doing catch and release, I mean, you could argue that, yeah, you're not practicing applying finishing. What is it? Finishing force or what? What does Dana Hurst say? Breaking, breaking pressure. Breaking, breaking pressure. Breaking there we go. Yeah. Tremendous but, breaking but pressure. But at the same time, it's like, like we don't want to hurt anybody, and like you said, it's like kind of a formality at that point. So it's like, just, I don't think it's disrespectful at all. You know, to catch and release or to to crank? to catch and release or or to his point, his original example was like I had I it was a formality to finish them. Was it disrespectful not to finish them? Uh, no, I don't think so. And in fact, you're probably still in a very dominant position, so you can keep working from the dominant position. To, to me, the things that are, are are noticeable when you're a lower belt, you know, like myself, is when you know the person's assumed a dominant position and they immediately surrender that of their volition. It's like I did not bridge, I did not escape, and I'm like, they're they're me personally. That's that's me. This is a personal Noah thing for my ego. I'm like. I'd rather suffer because those are the consequences of all the actions I took that put me into mount bottom. Don't just roll into closed guard so you can keep mm. working. How would you feel, for example, like Paul, who can legitimately probably hold us in mount? All, every single person on this podcast right now. Do you take offense to it when he provides 75% resistance? No, no, no. 80% okay, so resistance. here's the thing with Paul. Um, Paul is the absolute best in this gym, obviously, for matching and funneling. Yes. So matching the skill and funneling the student into positions that they're familiar with. So um, I think that's just a skill that, that a teacher develops over many, many years. I think he's developed. I think you're developing. I think Ryan's developing. I think everyone does. Where it's like he's really good at I'm going to roll blue belt level and funnel Noah into Delaheve and all the stuff he knows, and I'm not going to overwhelm him with more advanced counters that I'm familiar with. I'm going to let him work his style, but basically always kind of inhibit. 
Like, he's not going to let me run wild. He's going to kind of inhibit me, but he matches my skill level very well. Okay. Um, I hope this is not going to be seen as uh, too much of a, of a self-promotion sort of thing or a plug or whatever. I approached uh, Paul with this a few months ago. We, we still haven't gotten it rolling yet. Okay. Uh, and Next week, ladies and gentlemen, super fight, Paul Rodriguez. <laughs> no, no, it has nothing to do with that. And uh, Jim was going to help me out, but then he got knee surgery and he couldn't help me out. Uh, I got this idea of uh, there was a, a, a thing on a podcast I was listening to about, about pro wrestling and stuff. And it was about Ernie Ladd, who would take uh, this guy aside who was one of the, the young boys and stuff. And they were promoting the guy quite a bit. They were trying to send him up the ranks. And he said to him that, uh, we bring you in here. We, get, we bring in guys to get you over. And what do you do? You dumb yourself right out of position. And I see, I thought I saw too many people doing that uh, for, for any number of dysfunctions I thought were inherent within the system about things that they weren't learning, things that they uh, should be learning right off the bat. So I had the idea I wanted to do like a video feature, which is will be forthcoming once I get my thoughts organized, uh, called Under the Learning Tree with Ready Bravo. Come sit under the learning tree. Well, uh, uh, that's very Uncle Remus of you. Hopefully it'll, it'll benefit everybody. And uh, one of the things that I want to teach people how to do fundamentally is to not dumb yourself out of position. I've had, I had guys I've uh, been rolling with recently that uh, they're in, I'm, I'm in top side position, position two, or uh, position three even. And they're sticking their hand out across in front of my face, grabbing my lapel. And instead of finishing them, instead of making them pay for the fact that they've done it, I stop and I say, don't do that. Do you know why you shouldn't do that? And I explained to them why. Oh, okay. And then immediately they don't do it anymore. They change their hand position. I explain, I could do this, this, and this to you. That's a bad habit. Don't do that. Is there any problem? Uh, I mean, especially, it's going to be uh, better explained when I get to do the video feature thing. But is there any problem in doing that to somebody? Tell them, stopping uh, where they are and say, don't do that. I mean, I think it depends on the person. I think some people appreciate that. I think other people might be like, just roll and then tell me afterwards. Mm. You know, I think, I think that's more of a personality thing, but I think you brought up, you mentioned fundamentals and, and we've been going for a good amount of time, mm. but I want to, I want to touch on this topic before we kind of shut things down. Um, which is early on, we talked about fundamentals, okay. what's important in a fundamentals curriculum. And I had a very like immediate answer to this. But I wanted to hear you guys first. If you guys were constructing a fundamental, what is fundamental jujitsu knowledge that a white belt needs to learn? We have on our, we have a chalkboard with, I think, what, 90 moves? 92 92 moves, right? Um, They're all techniques. They're sweeps. They're defenses. um, Self-defense portions. So the self-defense portion, but they're all techniques. You know, sweeps, submissions. there is some some basic like movement stuff like a sprawl that sort of thing, which but is a most, part of I mean no no that, and yeah. actually my my thing is I think fundamental jujitsu is movement that's going to be my answer but that's a spoiler but I'm wondering like what do you guys think is what is fundamental for a ju- forget about how to teach it we're not worried about that okay, we're yeah. talking about what is what are fundamental things in terms of a foundation that a student should have as a white belt that they should be developing not so much moves as practices. Do not go belly down. Do not give your back. So you're very conceptual about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like everything else sort of falls into place if you keep certain concepts in mind. Is mm-hmm. that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, my, my definition of fundamentals, and just to steal from um, Matt Thornton a little bit, SPG. Um, so they, uh, their definition of fundamentals, and I have to agree with it, and, and I think John Danaher is very, very similar, is 
there are certain movements, postures, positions that are universal across all body types, personalities, strategies that lend themselves to the wide open range of techniques within jujitsu, right? Um, so for example, that irrespective of like length of limbs, weight, straight level of athleticism, everybody should be able to shrimp properly. Mm. Everybody should be able to sprawl properly. Everybody should be able to upa or bridge and whatnot properly, which are sort of movement based, which we're referring to. But regardless of which, within the realm of grappling, there are certain techniques I feel that should transcend all of the different grappling styles, right? Sambo, whatever it is, regardless of rule set, that are, um, I guess, fundamentally correct based upon the fact that we all have two arms, two legs. Um, our joints all operate in the same uh, uh, range of motion, that sort of thing, that should, given statistics, provide us with the best um, percentages to achieve a certain goal. That's my definition of fundamentals. For example, something like, I feel rubber guard is not a fundamental thing because I think it's predicated on a large degree of flexibility. I can, I can do rubber guard. I'm not sure somebody like uh, me. Who's, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like I can do rubber guard, right? Like, because I have very flexible hips. Um, I'm not sure somebody who who's who's very stiff. I don't, I, I can't think of off the top of my head. Jim. Mark Peace. Jim. Yeah, Mark Peace. Right? Mark Peace. Oh, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure Mark Peace can do rubber guard. He so therefore, it. It, it's not a fundamental thing that a white belt should learn. Are you telling me that a white belt shouldn't learn warm guard? I'm just kidding, of course not. I'm telling you that nobody should learn warm guard. <laughs> oh! Keenis, oh! Keenis, he's calling you out. Ready, Bravo actually, challenges Keenan Cornelius to IBJJF rules <laughs> match. Oh my god. Gee only. I'm not a fan. So, all right, fellas. I'm out yeah. All right, Victor, take it easy, brother. So, I would, uh, for me, I think, um, so I went, so I, I did my blue belt test. So I had to know 90 techniques or 90 SOAD techniques. And kind of looking at things, I think um, what you said in terms of movements are critical. I think being able to, not even shrimp, because I don't, uh, I think it's more of a hip escape, personally. Like I think hip, like doing hip escapes, shrimping, bridges, having those movements, knowing the basic positions and kind of the basics around those is important. So knowing what guard is, what closed guard is knowing what side control is, knowing what mount is, knowing what back mount is. Because from a vocabulary point of view, right? Like you talk about being able to speak, you talk about the hierarchy of positions and we also talk about vocabulary. Yes. So that they can learn additional stuff, they need to know that stuff. You know what I mean? Um, I honestly don't even, like as funny as it sounds, like I don't care if they know four closed guard sweeps. I don't think that's critical for a white belt to know. I think what's more important is you teach them one or two sweeps so they understand the basic uh, the basics of taking away a post like right like you're okay. taking away a post yeah, and yeah. that's that that's a concept right and then you can show them other stuff that they can build upon and then I think also and this might be me just buying into tradition but I think knowing what a rear naked choke is what an arm bar is what a triangle is what a kimura is the the fundamental submissions and why are they fundamental submissions? Because over the test of time, 
through the scientific process of and a cross choking gi, right, right, right. You know, some yeah. sort and, of yeah, but, you know, but, but over choke. the test of time, repeated uh, with what is a scientific method by nature, right? Like it's uh, repeatable, testable. Mm-hmm. And and rep, replicatable or, or I guess that's right. It's replicatable. Right, right. It's so like, that, I like, can give you the parameters and you can replicate. Right. What like so, this like experiment. all of those through the evolution of grappling have swum to the top and to become the the highest percentage moves. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, at what point does do you do you like where is the per, the percentage of moves does something become not fundamental anymore i mean i think that i think that's what that a guy like paul is, is struggles with every year when he's trying to test blue belts is, is like where do i make the threshold when i was training we had covered actually spider guard and lasso guard in our white belt curriculum and that was something that he uh i don't know if he tested us on but it was something that we'll say was part of the curriculum so that was something he introduced to white belt spider guard and lasso guard mm-hmm. Um, that's something that he's kind of removed, you know, and I don't blame him for it per se. Like, I don't not blame, but I don't fault him for that. Like, I think that's reasonable to cut that back. But I also think it's like, I mean, when it comes to submissions, it's amazing how much you actually get. But if you look at submissions, I think it's important to know this is how you do an arm bar. This is how someone's going to defend an arm bar at a, at a very basic level. There's a lot of variations with your foot placement. There's a lot of variations on how you grip things and where you're finishing, what thigh you're finishing it over and all that stuff. But understanding the basic mechanics, the basic body movements is, I think, what it is. The problem is I can't give you a straight answer right now on how do you teach those basic concepts without doing what we're doing right now, where you do cover basically yeah, 90 you just, techniques. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think that's what it means to be a blue belt is I think as a blue belt I think you should be safe to roll with I think you should have basic movements down and you should know the the core f- submissions and the core positions and I know this is kind of a cop out the basics around those okay know? so what is uh, what does it mean to actually be a blue belt then right because uh, this is going from beginner white belt safe to- I'm just going to say safe that, I think that's the easiest mm. way to answer it is safe. Yeah. Safe where? Uh, safe to grapple with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for anybody, regardless of whether they're brand new or not, uh, somebody just come in right off the street, there's that parameter I think is, is quite important. And two, uh, there's got to be a, a certain level of, uh, well, not competitiveness, but uh, you got to be able to handle yourself, because uh, going back to the to self-defense aspect, a blue belt should be able to handle at least 80% of people. I agree with that. I agree with that, too. I think if you're a blue belt in the street, you're good against a, a overwhelming majority of the people. Mm-hmm. You know? I think 80%. I think 80% is actually conservative. I would say 9 out of 10 people, you'll probably Ooh, be fine. Oh, okay. Going back to... Uh, no, but I, I do no, no, think okay. that. Like, I, I think, like... And, and that's really what you've trained for a year. Like, if you want to... And that's why, you know, some people drop out. And But guess what? Like, they, they can defend themselves against most people. Like most Can pe- they? Really? I, this After is that whole thing. Training, Most people to. are not D1 wrestlers in the street. Like, go into Walmart, look around, and see how you would do against those people. That's that's the that's the criteria here. Mm-hmm. I'm not asking you to go into an NBA locker room, an NFL locker room, and say how would you do against those guys. I'm not asking you to go to UCF and look at the the football team. Go into a Walmart. Not we're not talking about people that are 15 to 30. We're talking about everybody. 
everybody. I, I okay, so like I I try to approach the idea of blue belt, and I, and I try to be as pragmatic as possible, right? I listen to a lot of podcasts. I I, I, I try to study as much as I can. Um. I like Farasa Hobby's idea of like what a blue belt is, and it actually lends into what you guys are talking about. A blue belt is somebody who should be able to competently defend themselves against an untrained opponent. Bingo. Is that is that fair? That works. I think that's fair. fair. Okay. Great. So, I, I I agree with that. So, I, I try to liken it to I, I maybe I'm maintaining too much the the ideal of jujitsu, and and this is why I love Damian Maya so much, right? Damian Mayan talks about how his ideal of jiu-jitsu is, I need to go into an MMA match, in this case, or his, his, his uh, form of competition, and I don't want to hurt my opponent, but I want to win. And he approaches it, and, and if you he watch him... He actually said that? He doesn't want yeah, to hurt he doesn't his want, opponent? Yeah, he said that. Like, wow. Yeah, he says, I don't want to hurt my opponent, but I still want to win, right? And, and a big part of that is doing things like strangulations, doing things like joint locks and whatnot, where they have the option to submit. But he... he I feel as though, like, I love that nice guy attitude of jujitsu. Yes, yes, of course. Gone, so. Is he really? Yeah, he's gone. Uh, so, yeah, Paul's so good at just slipping out. I yeah, wanted him on. That's called the Irish goodbye, by the way. I've never seen him. <laughs> but so, like, that's, and maybe I'm lending myself too much to that, right? I love the idea that somebody should be able to defend themselves, subdue a bigger, stronger, more aggressive opponent. Who's untrained, mind you. Primarily avoid the fight. I mean. <laughs> but like doing so without actually hurting the, the person, right? Like, which is why I think a big part of like kids' jujitsu is this sort of like idealized thing about it. Especially given like this sort of like zero tolerance when it comes to fighting rule. Which is why I think jujitsu is better for kids' self-defense at this point in the, the public school system. So you're talking about humane defense. Humane, yes. Because like, if you, it's, it, you know, people always talk about like, what is the ideal sort of like self-defense? And a lot of people say like, oh, Muay Thai, because you, you sit there and beat the shit of a person. But like, how do you, when presented with like a um, altercation and the police, like it, it's caught on video, right? Who looks like the aggressor? The guy who sits there and is like, gets into this like fighting Muay Thai stance and happens to beat the shit out of his opponent? Or the guy who is capable of taking a person down, subduing them, safely without hurting them holding them amount until an authority can come who looks better in this case and who looks like the actual victim who's literally just defending himself versus fighting i mean me I mean, personally I, 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 like I'm, 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 i honestly like question. like here's the thing like if, if i had if i had a child um lower on my list of priorities if they look good defending themselves like they just have to defend themselves you know what i mean really absolutely dude i don't want my child to get the shit like if they have to defend themselves and it ends up being ugly for the other person's half. Fine. But that's why the option's there, right? Like with positional control. Oh yeah, no, I, I'm not. I, I guess all I'm saying is, in terms of an emphasis, I think jujitsu does lend itself to humane, um, you know, control of people. Okay, but at the end of the day, you're trying to defend yourself. If you're in a situation, God forbid that you are in a situation. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know? like, yeah. um, most of us will probably never end up in that situation. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I do think, um, I, like anything, I, I think it, it's shocking. You know, this is where I think Gracie Combatives is really good. You know, they've kind of figured out what the layman does in terms of movements, in terms of how they buck and how they do that. And it, it's amazing. It's amazing how my instincts as a, you know, day one white belt 
would lead me astray in a grappling fight with a jujitsu practitioner. I, it's shocking, you know, that the way I move, the way I buck, the way I give my back is actually not a good idea. You know, I don't know why I, I, I don't know why we've developed as humans that way. You know, because like humans, the evolution, early, early the, humans didn't know jujitsu, I guess, because most people, you know, from an evolution point of view, would say, well, our behaviors are the result of, you know, evolution and it should be ideal. But in jujitsu, it's not to like, because that example of they're going to take you down, they're going to mount you. And then I'm going to turn as an unexperienced person and give my back. That's what people do. You know, it's shocking. But I think that's where the Gracie combatants kind of figured that out. And I think it's good, you know. Ryan, thoughts? No, I, I can't disagree. Uh, there's, I'm shocked with the number of people when I go around anywhere and, and, and interact with different people uh, who don't know what it is that we do, uh, have no idea what's involved in it. I, I just came back from Ireland, and nobody knew what it was there. Really? really? Yeah. Uh, nobody in my tour group did anyway. And uh, so uh, they think it's karate, don't they? They do. They always Fuck do. And, and it is very telling about how much of it is counter seemingly to what looks like human instinct. I wonder a lot of it, uh, how much of it's conditioning in that when jiu-jitsu first came uh, and exploded under the scene, uh, and even for a long time after that, you heard about people who would complain, oh, he didn't stand up and fight me like a man. How fucking stupid is that? I'm not going to stand in front of you and throw punches at you if I know yeah. you're better at it than me. What's, what, what exactly? There's supposed to be honor in that or what? Like, I got told it's, it's not honorable to choke somebody. It's not? That's okay. That's crazy, right? Like, because in regards to that, like, um, the Khabib fight when he fought Connor, I actually Steve at work, mm. he's like, like that's not a fight. Like all he did was just choke him. Like that's crazy to me that somebody would watch that, see the effectiveness of Khabib's grappling, and say that like, well, I can I can tell that's you less that, of a fight. I can tell you five years ago, or when I started watching, I think the first UFC I saw was the second GSP BJ Penn fight. So that was probably in two thousand. It's like early five, yeah, two thousand six, yeah. something like that. It was USA versus Canada, and and that's that, UFC, that's yeah. UFC fifty eight, by the way. Oh man, damn! Look at you, wow. the encyclopedia. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, at that point, like I, you know, they went to the ground. Oh, boring! Like get on the feet. Now that I have some experience jujitsu, I'm fascinated. Like when Khabib takes a guy down in situation that previously I'd be like boring. Like I can actually see the intricacies of what they're doing. You know, I think it's cool. But I think to the untrained eye, if you're not familiar with grappling, I, I can't. I'm not going to tell you why it's the case, but it certainly is the case that why people find striking more. Why is the perception more, though that it's just cheap to choke somebody? Well, I don't know about cheap, but just lying on them. Like, why are you just lying on them? Like, mm -hmm. what's the, what's the, well, and actually I've learned that if you can lie on someone for five minutes, that means you have a lot of skill, except if, especially if you're going with someone equal size and athleticism, it's not trivial to hold a person down, mm. you know, they think that, you know, and then they come in jujitsu and they outweigh me by 60 pounds. Yeah. Why doesn't he just stand And up? I pin them, you know, for, for three or, minutes. Or Alexia. Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. You know, so well, what was... Going back through history, what was the, the one of the big empires that dominated at least in, in the, the last four or five hundred years and stuff? It was the English Empire. What did the Brits do? They box. They spread that. It's not that, propaganda. That, the pugilism. Exactly. Yeah, right? pugilism. Like, and so it, it became the sweet uh, science. Wide, widespread throughout every place that their empire had touched. The sun never sets on the British Empire at one point in time, and all that kind of stuff. 
Uh, so the Aussies had that. The New Zealand had it. It was brought to America and stuff like that. And it was perpetuated throughout American manhood. You stand in front of somebody and you punch them in the face. When it, something gets so, ingrained in culture like that, it's almost like it was never not there. There's True. definitely a cultural thing where it's like, I think, punching, you know, that's that's just, I don't know. It's just, it's viewed, I wouldn't say more honorably, but it's viewed more favorably than someone that's just lying on you with their balls in my face, <laughs> you know, as they like to say, you know what I mean? So do you, th- okay, so like going back to that, do you think that there's a certain... Um, not homophobia, but certain like... <laughs> no, there's some of that too. I mean, there is some of that, right? Like, gay. But like, is there a certain um, stigma attached with the grappling? That it's, that it's not manly. I don't think it's... I'm not going to say... And where did it come from, right? Like, well, I, I don't know if it... I'm sure there's some stigma part of it, but you know, you got guys in singlets, you know, in close proximity to one another. But I think it's, I think it's just lack of knowledge. You know what I mean? Like the the thing is, and and I think it's in, I think what's indicative of this is that um, anyone that stands, and, and I'm I'm sure someone would argue if they, if you put Lomachenko in front of someone in a street fight, Lomachenko is not going to get hurt. No, Fine. Right, yeah. Probably not. No. You know, <laughs> but the I think I think we would agree that the risk of a stand-up encounter with someone, regardless of the disparity in skill, is riskier for the higher-skilled person than if, the, if it went to the ground and you had a higher-skilled grappler with a lower-skilled grappler. Mm-hmm. The chance of something going terribly wrong when you're grappling, if you're better than the other person, is a lot lower than something going terribly wrong if you're standing. Do we agree on that? Oh, sure. I can, I can, yes. Yes, the sucker punch factor, and it's... Uh uh, the odds of breaking your hand or something like that. Yeah. Uh, if you're the higher skill guy, because uh, you see it even in boxing at the highest level of boxing, guys have no business beating this other guy. He caught him. Exactly. There's that puncher's <laughs> chance factor. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know. And again, I'm sure you know boxers and strikers might you know come with arguments, but um, I think that is something where. And at the end of the day, it's like it's flashier, right? Like you want to punch someone, knock out, you know. It certainly good. photographs well. Yeah, yeah, so I think that's kind yeah, of. Yeah, but that armbar of Jason DeLuca by Gracie, by Royce <laughs> Gracie from UFC 4, I think. Well, I mean, it's picture perfect. You can go into t- to cinema if you want to. Uh, uh, they're still making, uh, in, in a certain extension anyway, they're still making Rocky movies. Boxing movies are still popular. How many Jiu Jitsu movies are there? Roll. <laughs> Because it doesn't, it just doesn't. Uh, photog- choke. <laughs> red, red belt. Those are documentary. But that's uh, an MMA. Yeah. Okay, yeah, and it just it doesn't photograph as well. Yeah, and I think I think back to Ryan's point. I think it's also historically as a culture, boxing's been around longer. It's 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 uh, forget about whether it's, it's obviously it's accepted in society, but it's it's just more known because it's been around longer. Who the fuck knows jujitsu? Yeah, but okay. So like, has it really been around longer? As an organized sport, maybe. In the but public like, eye, one hundred percent. But like Pancration and wrestling were in the. Who the Greek fuck of- was following Pancrase back in the day in Boss Rudin with palm strikes and stuff? No, no, no Pancrase, like, like one of the original Olympic events. Oh, yeah, no. he's right, like back in the Greeks, man. No, like I, I, wrestling naked, man. Like uh, in the past hundred years, people are familiar with boxers. You know, Muhammad Ali was more famous. Mike Tyson was more famous than. Corella. No, no. And I'm going to be honest here. More famous than any jujitsu grappler. The only the, what people. How many people come to jujitsu because they saw it in MMA? 
more people I I would I would I would bet if I were a betting man I would bet that people come to jiu-jitsu more because of interest in MMA than an interest in jiu-jitsu. They find out about jiu-jitsu via MMA. It's like I don't want to get punched in the face. Oh, this is the ground part of the UFC. Let me learn it. That's how I think people get attracted. Jiu-jitsu and this is all the way back to fucking Gordon Ryan. Gordon Ryan talks about he wants to bring more non jiu-jitsu practitioners to the sport, which Good luck to him. I hope he does, mm-hmm. you know, but it's going to be tough because if you go to any tournament, even ADCC, 95% of the, percent of the people in the audience are from gyms that practice jiu-jitsu. So you if you watch a, a boxing fight, fight yeah. how many people are – if you watch Mayweather versus Pacquiao, how many of the people in that audience at MGM, at the Mandalay Bay or wherever, practice boxing in their gym? It's a mainstream sport versus a niche that, I, sport. It's and changing. That's the and, and it's no, it is changing. Sport. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not changing. But currently right now, that's where it is. Okay. So like going back to that, right? And full, trying to go full circle here. The, the average dude off the street, the average lady off the street. Train jiu-jitsu. It's awesome. Jiu-jitsu. You'll love it. Yeah, exactly. So, but like how do we get them in the door? How do we keep them on the mats? Where's the retention part, right? Like... And, and this is where I, I lean towards just, like, steering away from this tough guy. Like, you got to be tough to do it. Like, that's where I just I, – I, not, not that I disagree with it. I mean, like, I think it helps. But I think, like, I, I sort of do agree with the jiu-jitsu is for everybody thing, right? Like, because the, the more – competition breeds, like, elevation, right? Like, the more people we have in the mats, the more perspectives, the more – personalities the more ideas like that can't hurt jujitsu right no i don't disagree with what so you're so like how how do we structure a, a training system to try to keep get people there and keep people well i think that's, that's I, my I think the big thing goal. is you're not trying to beat defeat win uh people that have just appeared you know what i mean like the reality of jiu-jitsu is you're in close proximity with one another. There's physicality. There's discomfort. It's, it's very humbling, especially if you're a bro, you know, and you lift weights and all that shit. But, and I, I lift weights. No, no disrespect to that. I'm, I'm just saying to the bros. Um, but, you know, I think the weeding out process, the, um, the stretching, you know, so to speak, that's probably not... Is that a... Is that a- that's that that's a wrestling so stretching is you know just putting them basically stretching them out you know submitting them left and right you know um heart family style in the dungeon we're going that did did you just meet your soulmate ryan (laughs) (laughs) don't tell my wife did it move a little (laughs) (laughs) so so, i mean i think i think you can't you can't hide the realities of what jujitsu is but I don't think it helps anyone to bring in a, a neophyte and beat the shit out of them. It's like, what have you proved? You've beaten a neophyte. You know what I mean? Right, right, if you're yeah. trying to bring them in, you know, show them and gradually work them up, but don't hide them from where things are. But that's what we talked about earlier, which is, you know, um, and you've talked about this, Chris, which is, does it help a black belt to just annihilate a trial student? Absolutely does the black not. belt like, get anything out of it, and does the white does the trial student get okay, anything? Okay, so it? like as, probably not as training know? partners now, right? Like let's let's go. This these are these unspoken rules that I want to get oh, into. Oh boy, here we go. So like a a brown belt, which I am, Ryan, your black belt. Mm. In your opinion, 
what helps other students more if you have a certain like skill set that you're just very good at right like um i for example am, am, am my, my guard is fairly hard to pass um oh really <laughs> no, i'm not i'm not <laughs> saying it, it's, not it's, it's i'm not saying it's like impossible <laughs> to pass but it, it is harder to pass right unless you're a little bit more aggressive and, and you, you certain have a, a, a certain style um I, I make a conscious effort to open my guard now and not play guard, especially against people who I, I sort of scale it back to make it harder but not impossible for somebody to pass my guard. Is it does it behoove you and does it behoove the other person to always play to your strength when you're grappling? Uh, so I think again, I think the purpose of grappling in in academy setting when you're training is to practice. So, um, I don't, I've never heard this term here, but in tennis, there's the concept of down training. You know, my coach used that, which is down training is if, if the only way you can get better is training with people that are better than you, um, that's kind of a, you're kind of limiting your, your ability to growth, learn how you can train with people of lesser ability of lesser skill so that you as a as the more advanced student can still develop. That's what down training is training with someone below you in terms of skill and ability. Okay. So how do you practice things? Well, very simply, um, if you're going with someone that is of lesser ability, just put yourself in bad positions and defend. That's right. a very yeah. simple way. Get the, let them get take your back or start on back and defend. You know what I mean? St- you know, do late armbar escapes. You know, give them your arm and, and, and do They get to practice finishing the armbar. You get to practice, you know, escaping late armbars. You know what I mean? Like, I think you can work with most people and practice an ability. Keenan Cornelius, I think, says it very good, very well. When he trains, when he goes to academies, he rolls with everyone. He very quickly kind of figures out what they like to do, and he puts them in. He enters their best position and see if he can figure out how to get out of it. I think that's beneficial for both people. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Uh, sort of echoing some portion of that. Uh, when I was much heavier, and I haven't played in years, unfortunately. But when I was in heavier and playing tennis, uh, the thing that that boggled me at first, I, I figured it out eventually, but uh, that I had the most trouble with was not facing people who were at my skill set, not facing people who were above my skill set. My biggest problem was somebody who looked like or demonstrated that they never picked up a racket before because so much of that sport is about anticipation and setting patterns. Sure. I, if I know by the way you get, you're going to turn your hips and stuff like that, you're going to you know, put topspin on, whatever is going to come across court this way, I can read your movements and interpret where it's going to go. If you don't know where it's going to go, how the hell do I know where it's going to go? And uh, I think it translates to some degree into in, in, in submission grappling and jiu-jitsu. If, if you don't know what you're going to do, I can't hope to predict what you're going to do. Absolutely. And Paul's even said, it's like if going with a athletic um, neophyte white belt is harder than going with a blue belt. Because yes. a blue belt does predictable things. Yeah, the blue belt does jiu-jitsu. Right? Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, you know, a guy who played football that's, 100, that's 220 pounds that's been training for a couple months, he's going to do things that are atypical that that we're taught not to do but because we're taught not to do it we don't expect our opponents to do it and now suddenly they're rolling us in it, where they really shouldn't be rolling us but because we're never defending that so mm-hmm. is the is the solution to create a system or a, a, a where everything is predicated on unpredictability 
I like, think like anything, it's a skill. I think like rolling with, with, with athletic white belts that don't know jujitsu is a skill and you mm. should be aware about it. You know what I mean? Like I, I, yeah, I actually but, I mean, enjoy yeah, we, rolling. We lose sight of that, right? Like because as we progress in, in jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, I think depending on who you are, if, if you're like JB, our beloved JB who's no longer with us. You know, he's, he's not like, dead. He's just no, he's not, not dead. <laughs> he's not dead, but he, you know, he, he's, we, we, yeah. last so time I saw him, he's in South Africa living the dream, just yeah. traveling he really? around. He's, he was he's in done, South he's Africa. He's done with his Amazon? That's incredible. I have yeah. no idea what, you know, what, what going on there, but I'm you know, he's he a bright guy. Uh, he's at least got his masters. Uh, he really should be a black belt. He's a four stripe brown belt, um, but he's an awesome dude and very skilled. And he's six, four, extremely athletic, you know, a guy like that. Um, and athletically intelligent. Oh yeah. Athletic intelligence. It's like, I mean. JB is going to probably do okay against anyone that's, you know, 220 in a white belt just because of his size. Whereas me, that could pose a threat if, if I don't know what they're doing, mm-hmm. you know? So I think, you know, that's a skill. And I think, actually, I saw it in Maine, of all things. When I was in Maine, um, there was, it was, a, it was, a, it was the, the, the instructor and the owner of the gym is a four-stripe uh, purple belt, probably going to get a brown belt very soon. And he's rolling with primarily white belts, you know, but these white belts are, you know, and this is not just what I saw, but what I saw before, it's like, they're going to be spazzy. They're going to do all these things, but he's very good at rolling with those people because guess what? He's rolling with them day in and day out. That's who he rolls with because of the nature of the demographics. You know what I mean? That's a skill. He's better at it than me. He's probably right. better at it. Than, I'm going to say even you potentially, you know probably what I mean? Better than me, yeah. Because that's what he, he's faced a lot. And I think that's a skill just like. What would you, if we rolled against all sport jujitsu guys that are doing lapel guard? You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're a product of what you see. And I think rolling against a spazzy white belt is in and of itself a skill that you need to have because you need to be able to defend yourself. You should, and that's fundamental jujitsu, though, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, my, my question then, all right, just kind of going back to. Uh, jiu-jitsu versus jiu-jitsu. Last and question. We got to close this down. Yeah, we've been going. Yeah, we've been going yeah, for, yeah, we've been going for easily two hours here. Um, let's let's just let's just fire it out there, right? Uh, Ryan, what's an unspoken rule of jiu-jitsu? Unspoken rule. And let's let's get into it. No neck cranks. <laughs> I hear that a lot. That people get, get get real touchy about that. But, and you're uh, okay. And you're okay cross with face, neck cranks. Cr- no, I love yeah, I love neck cranks, and I'm uh, cross facing too. The people that it's it's seen as impolite. I. What are your thoughts on neck cranks and cross faces? Um, I think I'm going to kind of take, I'm, I'm, I'm probably, this is probably a cop out. I think it comes down to, um, your relationship with the person. It's like, if you don't know the person, they cross face you. I'll probably get pissed off. You know, I know Nick Paul, Nick Paul cross face me left and right. I don't, I don't get angry at him. You know what I mean? So I think, I think just like when you go, and this is another, I'll go into another unspoken word. When you go to another gym, uh, I'm probably not looking to submit people. Mm-hmm. I'm probably just looking to roll. You know what I mean? Because I'm not trying to... They don't know me. Wait, wait, hang on. You said not submit people. Yeah. You're looking to just roll. But what is one of the goals of rolling? No, no, but I'm not trying to... I won't... If I have a submission, I won't, I won't finish the submission. I'll just... I'll, I'll know in my head I think I have it and, and move on. Because, because what's awesome about jiu-jitsu is... Uh, it really is true that I believe jiu-jitsu... Um, brings people together. When you roll with someone, you've just shared a moment. I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but it's like, it, it, no, no, I mean, no, but I think it's true. It's like, you, 
like think about how close how many close friends you have because of jujitsu because of the bond you make of actually grappling like there's something primal there's something good about that there's something probably really deeply human about that but there's a trust factor it's like i don't know you so i'm going to be kind of more guarded you know, Paul talks about it all the time. He talks about it with Jeremiah. It's like, as I get more comfortable with Jeremiah, I'm starting to put my shin on his face now. I'm starting to do more physical things. It's like, you have to develop a relationship and a confidence and an understanding with the, with the other person before you start pushing the physicality of what you're doing. And I think that's really where it comes to, down to. It's like who you're doing the cross-face to. Cross-facing in and of itself, nothing wrong with it. But I wouldn't do that to a person I just met because it's a bad, they would, they would probably think that I'm the wrong kind of guy. They would probably think I'm some oaf that's trying to. That's I see. Brute, like I would know? argue though, like because I I want to st- I I want to, I'm always gonna beat the jujitsu drum, right? Like and jujitsu by definition is the gentle art or the gentle skill, however you want to define it. And there's nothing gentle about cross facing somebody, and I think one of the the beauties of jujitsu in and of itself is the, the ability to subdue somebody and submit them without having actually harming them. I don't believe in pain compliance. I know you disagree. Mm. But like, I, I feel as though like there should be a better way because at some point you're going to try to perform a pain compliance move on somebody who's not going to comply. Right? Like they're, they're just, they're tough. Correct. But conversely, as a jujitsu practitioner, I can't be naive enough to think, oh, no one's going to do pain compliance with me. So... I'm not going to worry about that. You know what but I mean? I like think, cross think, faces work for a reason. You I know what pain, I mean? But, but here's the thing is I, one of the things about jujitsu I feel is necessary is like the repeatability of it. Right. And I feel as though there are some, we, we can all agree some movements are more dangerous than others. There's just the inherent nature of like a cervical lock, a neck crank, that sort of thing. And of course, like there are things you can do avoid in like a can opener, for example, just fucking open your guard. Right. Like, and, and try to hip out. But like, I think the inherent nature based upon people's natural reactions to certain movements lend themselves to like think of an arm bar right like what is people what is the the gut reaction of somebody the first time they've ever felt an arm bar is they're gonna posture up they're gonna like try to pull out of it right mm-hmm. which is in, in essence they're arm barring themselves mm-hmm. but the conditions in which you're trapping their shoulder i think lends itself better to releasing it and not injuring the person than something like a can opener or like a, a, a chancery, mm. right? Like, because people will sort of like automatically, a front, front chancery is like a, a front headlock and your, your neck is turned a certain way. Like, I think people will just automatically resist against it and fucking snap their own neck, which is terrible, right? Like, I don't want that happen to my training partners and I don't, and, and once again, just going back to the idea of- like, I mean, you can say the same thing about heel hooks. Like I could, I could, I could have a person's heel not apply any pressure, and the person rolls the wrong way, and they tear their own shit. Mm. You know what I mean? Like again, I think it, I think it just comes down to, and and this is where it's it's not an exact science. It's just like you have a confidence with the person. I know I can do this move set with this person. You know, it's understood. You know, and we're going to be safe with one another. And they know that if I if I if I can open to them or I cross face them, I'm not a, you know, they know I'm not a dick because they know Noah, you know, they've right, already right. met me. They know. Okay. I'm, so you know, like, so I'm just going pre-vetted, to that, you, know? you know, just personality wise, at what point does technique crossover, like pain compliance techniques and that sort of thing that the sort of like quote, bad etiquette jujitsu, at what point is using that just your style of rolling versus being a mat bully? 
Oh, that's actually pretty easy, I think. Uh, it's doing those things when you don't have to do those things. Yeah, you know, I, explain, I, explain. Yeah, well, I, I, uh, you're, you're doing them just because. I want. I feel like doing it to you. I don't need to do it. I could escape some other way. I'm, I'm much more skilled than you or whatever it happens to be. But I want to do this to you versus, say, for somebody like Mark, because Mark's high level, Mark's a strong guy, all this kind of stuff. I might have to do something to, to make him go, ow, to get him to let go because he's that good. Somebody else who's like a, a, a two-stripe white belt, I don't have to do that to them. So you're saying there's a – do I hear a washing machine? No, absolutely not. That's not a washing no. machine? Okay. No. Um, uh, so so is, is, would you say, for example, then in, in that respect, pain compliance moves and, and certain like neck cranks or whatever are not fundamental because I feel as a, a fundamental movement shouldn't necessarily injure the person right off the bat. No, because of the, that's not going to, it, it's going to make you go, ow, it's not going to send you to the hospital. I think, so my understanding, again, this is where I feel like my inexperience might not be the best to answer this, but the only thing I will say is you could potentially make the argument that a neck crank will never put someone to sleep. So you could go with a guy who has a freak neck and you just crank, you know, you're just cranking there, you know, you're just doing a can opener, but nothing's, yeah, but they, you can, can, they can handle their the spine, which is terrible. Uh, absolutely absolutely you could you know you could you could snap your spine but I'd rather go to sleep. but here's the thing if you are there's no disagreement that if you have a rear naked choke on someone it doesn't matter how big and strong their neck is you're cutting off supply of sure. blood to the brain and they're going to sleep that's i think the difference that that's how the only way i would make a distinction is that certain pain compliance moves might not work in all situations whereas properly applied might not work and this is where I defer to you, Ryan, and, mm. and you to Chris because of experience. Whereas, and I'm not saying it's a jujitsu versus catch wrestling thing. I'm just saying some of these pain compliance versus a choke, or well, maybe you know, maybe I'm contradicting myself because an armbar you could break the person's arm and they keep going. You no, know? you're not. Uh, what I mean by that, and, and it needs to be clarified a little bit, in that there's a difference between a pain compliance move and a submission hold. Pain compliance to me is well, actually, I should I should do the submission first. Uh, the front chancery over to the uh, like the gravit face lock and the neck crank. That's a submission hold. That and somebody might have a freak neck. I've actually encountered someone that does, and it didn't hurt them or whatever it is. That's not a, that's not a compliance move though. Compliance move would be an example of I have you in cross side control. I want to try to control your arm so I can apply an arm bar or I can apply a, a double wrist lock or whatever. And you're not giving it to me. You're grabbing your belt or something like that. So I take the point of my elbow and I put it at the junction of where your shoulder meets your clavicle. That hurts. And I'm going to grind in there until you let go with your hand. That's pain compliance. Would you agree that that's a lesser, like that there's a more proper way of getting somebody to release their arm then? Like there's a mechanically better way than just like digging your elbow into. Because it's for me, and mind you, this is the fastest coming out again. Anytime you're doing like a pain compliance thing, to me, that's like, it's a cop-out, sort of, like, and maybe it's a, it's a cop-out because I'm a higher level, or whatever the case is, like, and it, it's required, right, because, like, actually, Steve, Steve Wynn and I were talking about this, when it comes to things, like, that you do that are pain compliance, it's your, it's essentially your kazushi, right, it's your, mm. your form of off-balancing. I mean, I think, in, I, I think no one's gonna say in the street, you know, you can do whatever the fuck you want, but it's, like, in the training room, I think training partners might take that the wrong way, because they're, like, I want to train tomorrow, Mm -hmm. And you're like, 
doing things that are going to, you know, you have to apply enough pain for me to move. Therefore, there's a good chance that you're going to injure me. Maybe not seriously, but in a way that's going to make me feel discomfort for the next few days. Like, why did you have to? Just like, just like people get angry if, if you neck crank them instead of choke them, you know? Yeah. You don't get under their chin and you're just kind of cranking their jaw and stuff. It's like, it's kind of annoying, you know? I'm actually, I used to be more in that camp, but now I'm also like, if they get there, I'm the one that's tucking my chin, so I'm also partly to blame for this. You know what sure. I mean? Like, I can't blame the person for trying to, like, oh, he's got his tongue, you know, his, his tongue, uh, not his tongue, his, his chin tucked. I can't submit him now. It's like, if I want to either have my jaw break or I want to get choked, that's kind of on me, too. Mm-hmm. So, again, I think it just comes down to, um, as, as simple as it sounds, just a little bit of common sense and knowing who you're rolling with and knowing, and you know. And letting go of your ego. Yeah, right. yeah and, like, and yeah. knowing and knowing you know the boundaries that, that you guys have with people you know what I mean like and and you like anything I'm, I'm confident that you could roll with two different people and if they do the same moves you might react differently like if you roll with Chris and Chris does a move you might be no big deal but then if some person you don't know that might be a lower rank does the same thing there might be some offense or it might be confusion there might be some anger there and that's just that's just human nature and that's just I think etiquette and, and knowing people and having a comfort zone with different training partners i concur i'm good with that yeah. all right guys i think we've we, i think the, the two the, the two people that were listening to us are, are fast asleep so this has been a real pleasure <laughs> we can and, split the uh, well two nah, we won't do that but uh but chris is still with us so that's good chris did not pass out on yeah the table. not yet not yet all right i've had stuff. my sugar